0: Hello friends, welcome back to the Chase Doesn't Know podcast. This is episode number nine. My guest for this episode is Dewey Davis. Dewey Davis is retired and a professional pickleball player who loves hiking, driving old cars, and practicing his penmanship. He spent over 30 years in the public school system and over 25 years as an elementary school principal. And in my opinion, and based on his record, he is an expert in leadership, and I was very excited to pick his brain about that. He was also my youth pastor when I was younger and has been in multiple leadership positions in the church. I'm stoked he agreed to come on for this one, and I know that you'll enjoy this. So, ladies and gentlemen, Dewey Davis. if it's good for us, but...
1: I don't know. It depends if it's all natural or if it's... Right. Jif's yeah. probably not as good. Yeah, probably not, but Jif does taste it better than really, the all natural that's stuff. True. You know? It does. Then you don't have to... The all natural stuff, you got to kind of mix it up because the oil separates from it.
0: Right, right. That's yeah. true, yeah. Do you like chunky or smooth peanut
1: butter? Well, I, I eat... Like I said, if I'm doing... Trying to diet or whatever, i eat the all natural stuff, but uh, uh, I've never met a peanut butter I really didn't like. Okay. I
0: don't... I don't Fair enough. All right. Um, oh, I was gonna ask you: Do you? Uh, Can you uh, tell me where we started this? this yeah. Started? Yeah. He's okay, recording. Great. Yeah. Uh, peanut butter and jelly. What about it? Do you have? Do you use the the peanut butter and jelly that's already mixed, or do you have to mix it yourself? Oh, mix it myself. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. I don't <laughs> even
1: do the tube jelly, you know, kind of deal. Oh, really? Squeeze jelly, you know. Patty would probably prefer that. I'm a little fiscally retentive.
0: <laughs> I got you. Yep. Uh, it's got to be separated. I like smooth peanut butter, not Chunky. Chunky weirds me out, but anyway. Hey. But it's like kind of a good healthy snack. Anyways. Anyways, uh, thanks for coming out and hanging out with Absolutely. me. Absolutely. We're now officially recording. Okay. So, like I said, I, there's like a ton of stuff that we could talk about. And uh, just for everyone listening, every time that I've mentioned the podcast to Dewey, he's always like, oh, I don't, I mean, I don't even know what I'm going to say. I don't have anything to say, which is... Total hogwash. So no, we'll find out. <laughs> we will find out. <laughs> um, how long do you have, by the way? Because I don't want to keep you too late. I, look, I'm retired. That's true. How is retirement? Retirement's great. Just made a year. A year. Nice. Yeah, a year retired. And how old are you? I'm 57. Okay, sweet. Yeah. Retired. "Quote unquote early, yeah, compared like to the, what the normal thought is. Yeah, maybe so. I just
1: figured, hey, I could always get another job. Can always get more time.
0: That's true. So, what was uh, was it? What was? Are you t- were you tired of working? Or what no, was I the- had a great job. Uh, Thirty-one
1: years working in a local school system. It's been fantastic. Uh, I just felt like maybe there was another season of life. Simple enough. Simple enough. And then you pull the trigger pull the trigger. Do you always make decisions that quickly? I usually do. Now, sometimes I have buyer's remorse. I haven't with this (laughs) decision, you know. We um, bought a Challenger that way one time. (laughs) Jacob and I decided to go test drive fast cars and When I test drove, came home with it, came home with it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but you had that for a while.
1: I did have it for a while. My wife did. It's not good though to get the car that uh you want for your wife, okay?
0: That's not a good move. Got it because then she drives it all the time, she
1: drove it all the time and then she didn't like it, so we Uh, got rid of it, it, right? Yeah, of
0: course. Um, so you but you're a big car guy, I try to be, I like it. We uh, so I first met you when we came to church at Cornerstone, and I was probably 13 or something like that. You were the youth pastor. Are you were a, pl- a trumpet player. I was a trumpet player, yeah. yeah, that's true. I did play trumpet for a couple of years. Um, but yeah, so we, I got there right as going to sixth grade, so joining the youth group, and you were the youth pastor. But you drove a cool car. It was the Volkswagen, I think, huh? Yep. 68. The Red Bug. so yes. w- w- Tell me about the Red Bug. Well, the, the
1: Bug was a father-son project. My son, uh, he wanted to buy a video game, and I said, why waste your money on a video game? Let's buy a car. Wow, that's smart. So we had $500 saved up, and we bought a Volkswagen sitting under a tree, and uh, by the time he was 16 and able to drive it, we had it where it looked decent. Cool. you know it was loud not
0: fast <laughs> it was you know, loud. but it, it was, was loud. cool huh? it was cool is that um did y'all have any like do any other car projects
1: not successfully we've done okay. several things not successfully we tried a boat project that ended in a failure and a uh one motorcycle project that ended in a failure that we were gonna bob and it just ended up being a piece of junk
0: uh was that the one that jacob drove around uh no 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 okay he, that it, was it, yeah i was most, like that one was it was cool. nice yeah. but
1: we bought that already done I got you.
0: You. yeah, I, and I actually am just remembering that he had that motorcycle. He that did. Was a, that was a sweet ride. And you had another thing that we connect uh, connected on a lot throughout my childhood growing up. I guess uh, was that we had motorcycles. You well, you always had a motorcycle. Yes, and then probably. I had a motorcycle for a couple of years. But um, when did you start riding
1: bikes? Started when I was, uh, gosh, with a mini bike when I was probably less than ten. My dad was a Harley rider Mm -hmm. and um, i have a slight disability so he always looked for things like um even my motorcycles were 750s with the semi-automatic clutch you know because i can't control my left hand but Mm -hmm. boy he um, used to tell me Kent never could do anything so when I wanted to ride a motorcycle he said hey we just have to find one that fits you and cool I enjoyed that cool and you always had one growing up and stuff yeah growing up um <clears throat> yes I was the baby of four so I was what they would call spoiled. so I always had a motorcycle <laughs> growing up and um like I said that was something we just enjoy doing
0: um, I'm curious to hear about because I don't think I ever have, but like, what? Tell me about your. I've heard pieces of it, but uh, about your childhood, like where you grew up. And okay, I, I
1: I grew up here in Louisiana you know uh, i think i'm the only one of my siblings that was born here in louisiana and the others are scattered california and arkansas and things like that but uh grew up my mom and dad were probably married i think uh, 75 years wow together they're wow. both since passed my dad passed last year but uh longevity 93 and 91 wow. yeah, but they, my mom was kind of a child bride i guess you would say that was okay <laughs> then um but great childhood you know um uh, like I said, with the CP, you know, I would go and and uh, I, I can still remember the doctor talking to my dad and said, well, you know, you can't let him do this and you can't let him do this or you can't discipline him. And my dad finally said, well, you raise him if I can't do those things. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I had great parents, you know, and but he always just about allowed me to try want me to try just about anything so i played tennis in high school uh lettered in tennis not from a school that's known for tennis of course (laughs) but uh i i hit uh throw the ball and hit with one hand you know played baseball played football uh played in the band cool you know uh so my dad was like i said mechanic by trade and we never had a car that ran when we got it he always drug them home and so I've had a lot of cars, mm-hmm. none of which uh, are extremely valuable, and none of which really ran when we first uh, received them as, as as young teenagers and things like that. Cool.
0: Uh, so y'all, so you and your dad worked on cars and stuff.
1: Together. Yeah, it was mainly like I was the you know go for this tool, go for that tool yeah. kind of deal. He was the mastermind behind it, even the mastermind behind the Volkswagen when my. Uh, son was fourteen. I mean, mm-hmm. we did the upholstery some ourselves following a, at that time a VHS tape that said, "Now a do VHS this. Tape yes, one. nice. Now put the headliner in this way and that kind of thing." They we had did.
0: VHS tapes that would tell you how to repair cars.
1: Yes, with both with Volkswagen, when you got your upholstery uh, kit, you got a VHS tape that. Wow, that's cool. Uh, that's Tell like that.
0: uh youtube of the uh before youtube no <laughs> oh, yes
1: absolutely absolutely
0: <laughs> that's because like, i know there's tons i've like seen tons of videos on youtube uh, about everything but all, yes. a lot of a car like i've used youtube to fix oh my we car, have to we've done all that but vhs tape but, that's cool but great
1: childhood like i said pretty pretty uh normal i mean for his is things like i said um my parents never really saw my disability they um, wanted me to just do whatever I could. So it really, really never water skied and things like that. It never really slowed me down. I just, he would tell me that it's not that you can't. Sometimes you have to figure out a different way to do it, mm-hmm. do things. So that was his his big thing. So,
0: um, so what exactly is, because I was going to, I wanted to ask you about cerebral palsy, which is, um, Actually, the oxygen was cut off
1: to my uh, right side of my brain during childbirth, Mm. uh, which controlled my left motor function, so I can't wiggle my toes on my left foot, I can't turn my left hand over, Um, I can't really control my left hand real well, particularly if I think about it, that's what's so crazy, if I can keep my mind off of it, like if you're holding hands with someone and... I have to think about something entirely different because if I think about that, I like squeeze their hand. I don't want them to get the wrong yeah. idea or something like that. So I kind <laughs> yeah. of very cautious about that. But um, like I said, played played um, baseball, um, catch and throw with the same hand, stuff like that. I've seen tennis. you do that. actually. yeah, yeah that's yeah. been
0: a long time ago. We did a video on that for church or <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah, catching with it and throwing the ball up. Yeah, the glove grabbing through it. That's cool. Not as quick as I used to be though. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, Uh, what do you so I know like your sound like your dad kind of had a solid perspective I guess on that and kind of showed you maybe how to deal with it or kind of gave you a path to dealing with that how much was it how much was there any like struggle with that that you had to struggle through oh absolutely I mean um Tie my
1: shoes to this day is an ordeal, mm-hmm. you know. In fact, when my kids were young, I would make a game and, and and tell them, "Okay, you tie the right shoe and you tie the left shoe," and then it would always end in a tie, <laughs> you know. But um, yes, um, again, it's if I think about it, my brain gives that arm or hand a sensation and it doesn't really get the full message. So it doesn't know what to do. So it'll contract Mm. or something like that, which is kind of scary on a motorcycle, you know, particularly going over a bridge when you have to think about something entirely different
0: or your hand might just come off the handlebar, right? you know, like
1: that. It's kind of scary.
0: Um, I did want to kind of maybe ask and see what your thoughts were on, um, on like, uh, you know, kind of dealing with that and what, cause I know like you know, I'm sure and you've, as we mentioned, you're in the school system. So you've, um, come in contact with thousands and thousands right. of kids, but, um, you know, you always hear about kids in school. There's a lot of bullying and things like that, right. but kids in school who maybe are already kind of at a, at a disadvantage in one way or the other, having to, uh, figure out a way to overcome that, I guess. So would you say, was there kind of that experience that you went through or do you feel like you kind of had uh that outlook of just finding another way and that kind of helped you through all yeah that's
1: what i've kind of encouraged you know when i got uh, a job first in the public school system probably wouldn't be politically correct but the person that hired me said um, i'm hiring you because you have this disability because there was Mm -hmm. a child there that had a similar disability and he said i want him to see that he can do other things, mm. you know, so, um, so I really, it's always been some, it's, it's never bothered me because it's all that I know. You know, right. um, you know. there's certain things I used to not do. I wouldn't eat steak because that looks kind of terrible when you're – when you grip things, it kind of looks a little scary. <laughs> but I, I sense now love steak so much I'll eat it regardless. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it helped me relate to kids. The kids always wanted to hear the story. You know, did mm-hmm. you fall on your motorcycle? Is that what happened or, you know, and um, – you know, so they're looking for something really dramatic. And when they learn that, hey, it's just the way I am, it's probably not as dramatic to them. Yeah. But it helped me relate to a lot of kids. And, you know, it's um, I've always been told um, God never wastes an experience. So, you know, um, I know what it's like to be different, mm-hmm. you know, and it's OK uh, to be different. Uh, you know, and that's what we want our kids to learn. You know i don't think really kids have changed through the years sometimes parenting has changed but i don't think kids are kids generally want to be loved and and received and um yeah there's um but you know i guess if you call it bullying it was around when i was uh young i was redheaded freckle-faced and a disability <laughs> i had it like all going on yeah. it was all you know right uh you know i've, I've heard that, uh uh red hair freckle face strawberry kind of thing and yep. you had a disability on that so you you get some attention uh-huh. but hey I, you know never let it stop and i've tried to uh tell the children that i work with um your value is not based upon someone else's perception mm. you know and you know that's that's a meaningful thing so for the kid that uh maybe is a little bit slow learner you know or uh, it's dealing with a physical disability. I've always tried to focus on what you can do and looking for a different way. And certainly there are things that I that I can't do well, um, but there's a lot of things
0: that I can. Definitely. So that's kind of the message I wanted them
1: to receive.
0: Cool. Uh, how many kids do you think you've been, or have come through your schools over the years? Wow, let's
1: see. Uh, at times my school's been as big as 950. So, but mainly averaged about 800. And so, um, 800 times, let's see, I was probably a, a principal like 28, well, not 28 years. I taught some of those years, but I've had contacts with. More than I can remember.
0: That's a large number.
1: A large number. <laughs> yeah. Now, some of them I still remember their first, middle, and last name, and and who their parents are. But sometimes that's for different reasons. You know, it's harder <laughs> yeah. to get to know the kids. I do want to let, talk about some. Yeah, of it's harder to get the kids to know the kids that are always doing the right thing. So I always kind of made that a big effort to get to know their names. To We had what we called a star student breakfast that I started when I took over as principal for the main reason of getting to know the names Mm -hmm. of the kids that are always doing the right thing. Didn't have to be academically. Mm. It could be behavior, but they were always giving their best. And that's the kind of kids that sometimes blend into the woodworks. Right. That's true. You know, you you know, the kid that's um, causing uh, or calling for attention to themselves. Mm -hmm. But for that kid that's always doing the right thing, it was kind of hard to get to know them. Mm.
0: So that's one of the things that I did. Um, so I'll, 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 I, there's like so much that I wanted to ask you about being the principal and in the right. school system and stuff, but go all the way back to um, how you got into it. Because uh, okay. we went to the same college. Uh, Louisiana College, yes, Uh, and so and you graduated from there, right? I graduated from there. Okay, and what did you graduate in? I graduated my degrees in religious education. Okay, my minor is in special
1: education, and that was the first minor of that nature that I think Louisiana College uh, allowed someone to have. It was because um, I had so much education courses, Mm -hmm. so it didn't qualify me. I wasn't certified to teach when I exited uh, college and went to work for a rather large um, local church um, as their preschool administrator, Mm. and so um, I'd heard they had a critical shortage, uh, especially working with students with special needs. So I decided to apply, and um, they said, we're going to send you to two schools, and the first one wanted me, and that was where I stayed uh, basically my
0: entire career in that group of schools. Mm And what was the what was the first school? Uh, Zachary Elementary. Okay, oh, so was it were you at Zachary Elementary? Was Zachary, the was thirty one years. Uh, no, not the whole
1: thirty one years. I okay. was at Zachary Elementary um, as a teacher, special education, okay. and then uh, they moved me to third grade, and I taught third grade. And then when the district became independent, I um, my superintendent Warren Drake. Wanted me to go over and open up a Copper Mill Elementary. Right. Okay. It was fourth and fifth grade, and I'd had some ex- uh, experience with uh, leap and preparing kids and things like that. So I went over there, got to bring my entire staff, which was That's very cool. unique—every yeah. custodian, cook, wow, teacher, everyone—and uh, spent about ten years there. And then Zachary Elementary opened back up. And I told him I'd license a block from my house. I said I'd like to go back there and kind of finish out my career and um, went there and till I got kind of ready to retire and they asked me about being elementary supervisor, and I was there elementary supervisor for a year and a half and that was for. The district,
0: the whole district, yeah, and and what uh, that is that, the, I'm not totally sure how all of that works. So the is that just all of the Zachary schools are in the same district, and you're over right. all the elementary ones, right? Okay, gotcha. Um, okay, so you started off teaching, right? Um, special s- needs, special needs, and then third grade, and then to administrator or principal, right? Um, so t- talk to me about, tell me about the, or I guess tell me like uh, how you got. The or how, maybe how you were offered the the principal job or did what job interview and well, all that sort I, of if thing. If I can back up just a little bit, okay. You know, um, got hired
1: as a special needs uh, teacher and and really didn't have any experience. hadn't had didn't have the formal um, uh, teacher experience. You know, I had a minor there and I went back to school and got my certification and all mm-hmm. that. But, he's, um, he's legal. <laughs> yeah, I am legal. Uh, but look, we uh, I still have a, a picture of it in the frame. We built a car in the classroom. You're talking uh, about cars being a cool. part. So uh, I wanted my kids to be able to have experiences that they might not. And mm. so my dad helped me, and we actually built a, I want to say it was about a nine-foot car wow. that had wheels to turn. It had a Chevrolet steering column. You'd open up the trunk, and it would have um, – audiovisual visual, visual um, equipment and things like that and you open up under the hood and it had books so it's like a library it's a That's pretty cool thing yeah. so I became principal of that school um, I think I was the third principal of that school okay
0: and that was <clears throat> Zachary memory though. Right. Right. Okay, gotcha. Um, so what was, uh, do you remember, like, your first day as principal? Oh, yeah.
1: Well, yes. <laughs> I um, actually remember the first few days before then, barely, but um, took a bad bicycle accident when I was move it out of my classroom and move it into the office and could not even remember that I had become principal. I was really kind of panicked that I, because I said, I make my living with my mind. You know, if I lose that, I don't really know what I'll do, Mm. but, um, became principal. And it's hard when you lead, it was a great staff there, but you know, I was one of their peers. I was a teacher. I was an assistant principal. I went right from the classroom to be in principal of the school, which was a little different track than mm-hmm. most. I've always felt like um, God's had me in positions that I'm very much uh, underqualified for. but um, Because that's really, those teachers, not only did I go back and get my credentials, but those teachers taught me how to teach. Mm. And so uh, I then, um, like I said, became the leader of that school. And it's hard to to, to lead where you once were, peers, and people didn't know if that would work, but I felt like I had a reputation for hard work, and um, at least doing my best at it, so I think that was respected, but it was just a, I've always had the privilege of working with incredible staff, you know, if, if I have any quality that I feel like helped me be successful. It was that I could hire good people. And luckily the person before me had that same quality. So Mm -hmm. I inherited a great strong staff and all through my principal career was fortunate enough to work with uh, excellent
0: educators. Uh, So speaking of that, how do you hire good people?
1: Well, my philosophy has changed through the years, uh, Chase. It used to be, I would say, uh, give me a good person. Let me hire a good person. We can make them a good teacher uh, with a few failures in those areas because there are great people that maybe lack some skills, mm-hmm. you know, in some areas. I said, you know, I I need a good person. I need a person of character, but I also need a person that has a few skills as well. I still leaned more toward character. I feel like experience we can give someone character you kind of have to come with that Mm -hmm. when you're an adult we can't give you character so people that were going to work hard so I look for that people that are going to work hard that were committed and also committed not only to the job but to their families you know I always told them there'll be a time where you need to be a a mom instead of a teacher or a dad instead of a teacher and so I tried to uh, operate um, with that understanding but that's probably the main thing that I look for is uh, trying to get someone with a with character that's willing to learn Mm -hmm. they may come with a few skills and um so that is kind of what um I think that philosophy got me through those years
0: um so you I'm kind of losing my voice a little bit so sorry all right and sorry to everyone listening um so I'm kind of curious about the uh, the transition period, like you becoming the principal from a peer group. Was there um, and you not hiring the people that are now working for you? Was there uh, you know any like challenges to overcome there, and like how did you kind of navigate that different dynamic with those people?
1: You know, it was kind of an interesting situation, and you know, I look back and I've often asked the people that. Um, that stayed with me for like my entire career please mm. forgive me for the man that i was in the beginning <laughs> you know um but yeah said it, most definitely it had its struggle when you when you're leading a group that in some cases is more experienced really than than you are mm-hmm. you know um but like i said fortunately enough great people because not only I was new as principal, but my assistant principal came right out of the classroom as well. Mm. So we both were two people. And look, there were times go home, I guess, and and just cry. You know, things didn't always go well. It was hard. Mm. You know, a lot of weekends, a lot of evenings. Um, You know, that's what you do, though. I mean, you know, you you do what needs to be done to get get the job done. So, uh, not as much in the latter part of my career because hopefully i learned something but in the beginning uh, man there was um uh, was some tough days mm-hmm. and um but like i said I, I attribute my early success to the people that allowed me to experiment mm-hmm. with my leadership they were just outstanding educators and so uh i think that i think it would have been probably more difficult i don't not by any means saying I was a star teacher. I I feel like I worked hard though. I don't feel like I entered into administration with a lot of baggage. I had a reputation for working hard, trying to do things creatively and stuff like that. And mm. but look, I give all the credit for transition to those people. Uh, and like I said, often when I see them, I'll apologize for <laughs> my uh, errors and and early in my career. Yeah
0: i think you definitely apologize too much
1: <laughs> well you know but what i'm learning most things are erasable of things you know mm-hmm. there are very few things that uh, even even decisions and um, that was something i felt like i never really wanted to be a principal i wanted really? to yeah, yeah i started working on my master's in uh special education really Okay. and my principal encouraged me and i didn't think i had the what i would call the sand fart or the grit fart or uh-huh. you know I, i'm pretty much uh, not wanting to be confrontational with people but what I learned is it's not and I learned this from it's not what you do it's how you do it Mm. so I can be direct with someone and still be civil I can be direct and and be kind you know Mm -hmm. Um, you know so I feel like I had a good reputation you know uh, in the community of course you know you don't make everyone happy I have a A mentor that told me if everyone likes you, you may not be doing your job. So there's probably (laughs) some people out there that uh, uh, not as happy with me, you know, but I always tried to treat people fairly Mm -hmm. and um, to the best of my ability. I know I probably messed that up at at several points in in my career, but Mm -hmm. that
0: was that was my goal. I'm like struggling listening because almost with every sentence that you're saying, I'm like, oh, man, this would be a great question to ask and like ask deeper questions about. But um, you mentioned that you didn't plan to be a principal. No. And that once you became principal, it was super hard at the beginning. Super hard in the beginning. In fact, at one point, uh,
1: I took a year off. Oh, really? Well, yeah, I took a year. From um, principal and from teaching? Without pay. Wow. And went to uh, seminary. Oh, okay. <laughs> attended seminary, and um, and here's the thing: what, what I learned, and I think it made me a better principal. Uh, of course, I was older, going back to school again, and mm-hmm. so as I looked around the um, classroom and the the young men and women with their uh, laptops and me with my spiral notebook, <laughs> I knew first of all there's something different about this picture. But then I got a letter actually from a parent that really. Uh, told me um, that I had made a difference there at the school and that's Mm. when I realized uh, while I was on leave that um, God can't use you where you're not. You know, you think if you get this preparation, you get this training, then God will be able to use you. He really can only use you where you are. Mm. And so that was instrumental in me going back. I I went back, went back to the same school. You know, they uh, offered me a chance to go to another school. That's when... um, our district was becoming independent at that time and i said no this is my home and so i went back there and um you know so that was that was a neat experience but i've learned a lot i I used to say about my old school i've cut the grass i've waxed floors Mm -hmm. cleaned restrooms you know whatever needs to be done um I think that uh, sometimes uh, leaders think there are certain things that are beneath them to do, but um, I never have felt that way. Mm. So uh, I've worked alongside some of my staff in a lot of different situations. Uh, like like I said, I wasn't the pro at waxing, stripping, waxing floors, <laughs> but when they needed help. I would give it my best shot. Uh,
0: so what, what is the, like the list of duties, I guess, as a principal? What, what's like the daily stuff that you're doing?
1: Well, and you can't uh, say
0: whatever needs to be done. That's not, that's not the answer. Well, I can be <laughs>
1: specific, but it is very difficult because what it is, you're responsible for everything. In fact, mm-hmm. when something went wrong, and let's just say if uh, uh, one of my staff didn't handle things exactly right. You know, I would I would sit there, you say, I apologize too much, but that's what I would tell a parent. Look, I, I'm mm. sorry, because when it comes down to it, um, I'm in charge of everything that happens. I'm responsible for everything that happens, and I took that very seriously. But I loved my job doing that. I mean, who else gets to go to recess duty and jump rope, you know, mm-hmm. jump rope with kids? you know and um, going out there and throwing a Nerf football and look when you're do, when you're working with elementary kids they you know and I could throw a Nerf football fairly well they thought I was like NFL you know that <laughs> right. kind of yeah. thing you know but uh, we do that you observe teachers you know uh, you're checking lesson plans you're uh, planning for what events lie ahead mm-hmm. you're usually looking at curriculum issues safety is always the big thing you know because mm-hmm. you know we would say, hey, our, our main goal is to keep kids safe. Hopefully, they'll learn something in the process. You know, but that was the main goal to keep them. That's a lot of responsibility. Absolutely. I can remember um, before we really had early warning type systems, standing outside looking at the sky when we were under some kind of watch or whatever, mm-hmm. trying to make the decision about, okay, when do we move kids? When do we do this? You know, so I tell you what, I've just been very fortunate. But uh, that's some of the things that you uh, Mm -hmm. deal with. But you, you supervise, you're the immediate supervisor for everyone on that campus. So you're including food service workers, custodial workers. Uh, teachers, peer professionals, uh, counselors. What's the,
0: what did you say, peer professionals?
1: Peer professionals. Oh. That would be like a teacher assistant. Okay. All right. So, all those people you had to observe and evaluate and things like that. So, really, observation and
0: evaluation, usually we got started like the second week after school started. Really? You know, because just so many. Right, yeah. How many, uh, I didn't want to know how many people, I guess, at whatever the, the larger number was, worked under you?
1: Generally, I would say close, to, and I don't have exact number. I'm yeah. sorry. I would say it was, uh, uh, between 75 and 100. Wow. You know, when you consider the the teachers, like I said, peer professionals, counselors, uh, kitchen staff, food service, I should say, mm. um, building and grounds, all that kind of thing.
0: Um, okay. And jumping back real quick, because I, I just had this uh, thought. what? Whenever you mentioned that when you first started and, like, kind of things were rough and maybe right. coming home and, like, crying, what was it that, like, you kept you going back and doing it because something that you didn't necessarily want to be in the first place and were in, was encouraged to do. I mean, it could be easy to say, "Well, I could just go teach, not have to deal with all this pressure." But the alarm clock would go off every morning, and it was just time to go to work. And mm. you go and you
1: work, and and in ca- most cases, days get better. It's kind of like anything else you do. Uh, I remember I would call a, a mentor, principal, and say, "Hey, what do you think about this situation or that situation?" And it, Came a point where I didn't have to make those calls, mm. uh, at least very frequently. You know, mm. occasionally I would receive a call, you okay, know, which yeah. was pretty neat too. But um, I just think that it's, like I said before, you can't, um, you can't be used where you're not. You can only be used where you are, and that's where I was. And it was really, like I said, I've always viewed myself as underqualified. Um for what uh, I was doing, so I felt like there had to be uh, something at work there to place me in those positions because it was a great
0: responsibility, but also a oh a tremendous, tremendous uh privilege. That's really cool. um what was it uh how was it or how I guess how did you deal with all of that pressure of having seventy five to a hundred? Uh, staff and then eight 900 kids, was that something that uh, kind of was weighed on you all the time? or well, you stay you... busy? Mm-hmm. You know it was always a busy time. And, and
1: through most of my career, right, lunch at recess duty, you know, it's something I could hold in my hands and eat because you're just uh, doing too many things. Um, but yeah, it, was, it would get um, the biggest thing is to understand, like I said, there are things that are raceable. Everything's not urgent. And everything doesn't have to be answered right then, and that's what I learned. Someone would come with a question, and sometimes I just needed some think, you know, think time. Mm-hmm. I'd say, "Let me get back with you," and I would. It's also important to to uh, do what you say, mm-hmm. you know, and, and get back with them and things like that. So, um, you know, somehow it just uh, you were tired at the end of the day. Mm. You know, it, it was a good feeling because uh, I kind of. Uh, Early on, one of my superint- superintendents said, you know, the principal should be the first one on campus and the last one to leave. And by and large, that was pretty much true through a lot of my career.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned mentors. Did you uh, have specific mentor or a couple mentors, and how did you find them uh, coming up? Oh, that's a good
1: question. And um, this is what I did. I had a mentor as um a new elementary teacher and then a principal mentor but mainly they were self-selected and I looked who is getting the job done mm-hmm. who is su- successful you know who would you like to pattern yourself after and um, that's that's um, That's what I did, you know, uh, when I first, uh, particularly when I taught third grade, there wasn't a lot. Well, when I taught special needs, too, there was an experienced teacher there, and we were right next door to each other, so uh, she would guide me and all that. So mentors sometimes change, and then when I taught third grade, I looked for one of the most successful third grade uh, teachers, in fact, the one that served as my mentor at some point in her career, was uh, Louisiana State Teacher of the Year. I mean, cool. she was just outstanding. And uh, I would go every break that I had. I would go in to watch what she was doing. I would kind of fake get upset if she didn't tell me <laughs> what what she was doing and what she was planning. And then, like I said, did the same thing in, administra- in administration. I looked for someone that had a, a proven track record of success academically, uh, leadership-wise, and... Um, man, that served as my informal mentor. Mm-hmm. We didn't ever have an agreement or it was uh, not an arrangement. That's just was my go to person to call if um, I had a question or just needed to uh, talk through my thoughts about something. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, what is your I know you journal a lot. I do. I do and journal. so I did want to uh, talk about that and stuff. But how do you uh, kind of um, so, so two things? You said you make decisions pretty quickly. And most, things are, are most things are erasable. So right. how do you kind of process a quote-unquote big decision and come to a, um, a it?
1: Well, it's I probably do it differently personally than I did um, professionally. Oh, okay, you know, um, I'm a thinker. I, I'm not trying to give you the idea that I don't think through something, and um, but it comes to a point, particularly that a decision has to be made, and um, so you know you learn to move forward and make the best decision based upon the information you have but um i think through things you know i will not sleep well uh not stay up i don't want to give the picture of worry but i'm thinking even when i'm asleep and i'll come up I've come up with many solutions to things uh while um while i just dwelled upon those things and um So I do that. Journal is a way I reflect. I'm very reflective, Mm -hmm. you know, um, um, and that can be good or bad. I'm the one that gets buyer's remorse, you know, because I'm too reflective. (laughs) But I'm also reflective about my action and my character. Did I come across a certain way? Is this how I want to uh, be
0: viewed? You know, so. um, So do do you think, you know, you hear a term a lot nowadays, like, People are don't overthink it. Like people overthinking stuff. And what's where's the where's the line between the reflection and then like overthinking? It's tough because
1: if you're not careful, overthinking can lead you to paralysis. Mm. You know, and I try to avoid that. You make that decision, right? Which just puts you kind of frozen, right? Uh, I always tried to avoid that. You know, I would I would think, and there's nothing wrong with getting good counsel too and bouncing things off. I still think if you're in a leadership position, people look for the leader to make the decision. Doesn't mean that he can't get lots of great input, but they usually don't have a leader to make a decision by committee, Mm. you know, or by popular vote. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I had to uh, make decisions, and once I gained uh, all the information I could, once I sought counsel appropriately, then I had to go through that. But, you know, uh, the journaling thing is probably more related on a a personal note uh, than it is. Uh, I didn't necessarily keep a professional um, journal even though I guess you could call that I would keep a notebook to make little notes so Mm -hmm. I guess it's kind of journaling Mm -hmm. but I've journaled and um, I don't know how many I have now and I I don't I'm not legalistic about it there have been years literally multiple years that I may have journaled every day almost and then other times where I think like um, my last journal entry may have been earlier this week but sometimes it's been a time where it's been two months prior to that. But um, it's kind of neat. Like um, one of my daughter's wedding that I had a chance to speak, in which I had a chance to speak, uh, I could read my thoughts from when she was born. Wow. That's pretty powerful when you're uh, giving your daughter away Mm -hmm. to a young man for him to know hey, I gave a lot of the thought t- t- when this child was born. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't enter into this lightly, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. So that's, uh, I can go back and look at different events too sometimes in my life and to see, and I guess I hoped it would be something that my kids may not look at it when I'm gone. <laughs> you know, it may be out to the road. If they don't look at it, the, it, it y'all may, better look at it. It, may, <laughs> be out, it may be out the road, but they'll also see uh, my struggles, yeah. You know. I. You know. And uh, man, that's what I would write. Uh, things back when I may have even been your youth pastor, even mm. before you. Uh, you know, I, I would do that. And there's some uh, lessons in there and teachable moments and things like that. But I'm gonna really try to make it legalistic. But I, I would say that I've got at least a good dozen. You know, field. Mm. And uh, like I said, it may not be anything that. Uh, my kids are interested in, but I thought there may be points in my life, and like I said, I'm sure there's some big events i didn't I didn't journal about the births of the grandkids. there's nine of those, <laughs> and i, I know I probably missed some of those, and hopefully I have all four kids, but we won't we won't <laughs> mention i shouldn't say in case they listen to this they' all, looking back and let me they're see my go in, searching now. <laughs> Let me see my entry
0: <laughs> yeah um when did you start journaling journaling I started journaling uh very uh
1: just. Uh, probably in college, okay. a little bit, but it really, um, you know, uh, Olin. You've heard us mention Olin,
0: Olin uh, Griffin. Griffin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. uh, Actually, for f- f- funny aside, we when when they came for the 35th anniversary uh, thing at Cornerstone, they went up on stage and Pastor was like, "This is Olin and Sybil." Griffin, and then me and Tori leaned over to each other and said, Sybil, we like that name."
1: Ah, neat. Beautiful name. name. So, <laughs> but um, <laughs> he kind of encouraged me too. I think he's a journaler as well. Okay, and that's probably where it really took fire. I was going to
0: say, like, what made you just pick up a journal? And
1: just because I've always been reflective, but I wanted to go back and see progress in my life, or see struggle, yeah, and understand, yeah. or yeah. see what I was thinking when. Um, my four kids arrived on the scene or, or, you know, all those type of things, you know. Um, so it's it's been a journey. I'll be married 40 years this year, four kids, nine grandchildren. And and so there's been some um, very neat, uh, I would say, mile markers mm-hmm. in there that at least mean something to me. I, th- I think I... I um, wrote in my probably my very first journal in their front said you know I really didn't write this for anyone else and I just contradicting what I just said but uh, I said I was writing it for me to reflect on mm-hmm. and see uh, growth and see areas of struggle you know because as you get older you tend to forget right you forget um, some of those feelings that you had uh, surrounding certain events.
0: Let me ask you a quick question because I'm curious because I'm kind of like maybe semi discovering this now even though I'm, I'm only you know 30 people still young hopefully it's still young feels like I've been around for a while but like 20 to th- if I think back like 20 to 30 10 years is like a decent amount of time um, but it's kind of feels like I still f- I still think that I feel the same now as I felt when I was 20 and 15 and whatever so I'm past that point now. <laughs> so so do you so do you feel do you still feel like you're 30 or 20 or does it how, No, it, does it feel it's, like it it's changes. It's discouraging
1: or? that that you don't. Okay. Well, you may feel that way, but in reality, you know it's not going to happen. Just like I was trying to stretch out my leg here because I <laughs> played too much pickleball today and I was getting a leg cramp. You know, um I won't be able to walk tomorrow. But um yeah, that's a little um a little uh I shouldn't say discouraging. It's it's a realization that life changes. I was yeah. still in um Baseball with my grandson that lives locally uh, just like a couple of days ago and it reminded me of throwing with my son in the yard but number one i don 't have the speed i can't get to the balls like I used to so no that does change when you realize uh-huh. um, yeah i don't i don 't feel the way that I did at that time <clears throat>
0: and what do you what do you think about uh, somebody's walking through <clears throat> what do you think about the um Like looking back and reflecting, and you have this kind of record of your thoughts and things happening in your life. Looking, uh, you know, thirty years, forty years ago, what does it? Can you see your thought process and and like your maybe your principles and things like that kind of change and shift, or does it? No, I see those kind of things staying the same. Okay. In fact, um, I can read an
1: entry back, and it'll bring me back to that moment, Mm. and I'll feel. Wow. what i felt yeah. then um there is probably uh times that i've read and said wow this guy didn't have a clue <laughs> you know yeah. about things uh, you know you know married at 18 uh this didn't really have a clue on a lot of things but um so you know you look back and i tell you what it does though <laughs> chase it it really makes you think more about the future than the past because really? in some ways uh you realize there's a, a lot more highway behind you you know as you get older mm-hmm. you know at least on this earth than there is in front of you mm-hmm. so you become a little bit more uh, thought uh conscious about uh, what you're thinking and what really what really matters and the things that may have stressed me at nineteen twenty, 20, uh, probably wouldn't, you know,
0: uh, be a very minor speed bump mm. now in my life. Uh, so would you suggest that everyone should journal, or do you think it's just because you're a reflective person that you find the value in it?
1: Well, I'm, I'm a reflective person, but I also, um, my goodness, I am probably the least educated in my field, really. And want to say that, you know, um, my parents uh, were great parents, but they weren't readers. So I didn't start really reading. I mean, reading and loving reading till I was an adult. And it was really the same way with writing. Mm. Um, you know, the the thought, the uh, act of putting thought down in paper is significant. So what I recommend journaling, you know, I've recommended journaling throughout the years, even for... Um, parents that talk about, uh, boy, my kids got a lot of trouble with spelling or with grammar, and I said, man, y'all write a journal and uh, don't correct their writing, but try to model if they use a wrong form of a word, then you try to use it correctly. Hmm. But it also, and I would recommend that when siblings of age, Mm -hmm. journal, you know. Um, But uh, so would I recommend it? Yes. But do I think that everyone is someone that will journal or enjoys writing or, um, like I said, you can, you can verge when you're, you can be on the edge if you're a reflective person to overthinking, mm-hmm. which, like I said, if you go to the extreme, that kind of leads to paralysis in what you're doing. So, uh, I can only say that it's been very, uh, healthy for me, you know, and it's, it is something I would recommend. And, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm one that likes to write letters and writes notes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, you know, I'd have a gift from my faculty or whatever, I would write each one of them a, a note. I mean, it could easily do an email later in my career. Uh, we didn't
0: have all that when I first started, but yeah. later
1: in my career, I could do that. <laughs> but,
0: um, you let know, me, Let me something. ask you about that, actually, because uh, I just had this thought, I feel like there's uh, so, like you know, my age growing up, we had a computer when I was probably eight or something, and then we I kind of uh, got a phone right before we got all the smartphone stuff right. and things like that. And then, of course, nowadays everybody has the computer, and and you, you have an Apple Watch. You it was the, a gift. Okay, solid <laughs> gift from one of my kids. Nice, uh, but we're all you know we've got all all these things. So um, I guess my question: it seems like there's. And I am kind of like experimenting. I would like to read more and kind of uh, like I watch and listen to a lot of podcasts. Like kind of maybe want to try to look at a tree for an hour, you know, and like just not look at something digital. Right. So I guess my question is what you've grown up through both kind of eras. So uh, what do you think is, is it true to say that? It's better to read and write rather than text and watch. No, you do. I
1: really. Well, you know, uh, the world changes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I remember at school when we first got the internet. At school, the dial up. Dang yeah. I mean, when we said, "Wow, we're online." It used <laughs> to be an online was you were punished at recess on the painted line. You had to sit <laughs> out there. You sit on the wall. But uh, it was an incredible thought. Mm-hmm. But I, I think people just have to do. Like I what works for them i know people that uh read articles on their phone or whatever um i tend to be a global learner uh, i want to hold that book i want to mark through things i want to make notes in the margin and that's just who i am do i think that um the younger or your generation is uh, are, are you missing something I, i'm not going to say that i don't know um the world operates different. You know, when my, uh, when we look for places to go or to do that, we might consult a newspaper, which I still get <laughs> really? a newspaper
0: every day. But uh, I look at a our, newspaper once a year whenever me and my wife go to where we got right. married and we eat breakfast at the, t- I, always, I think it feels a little more like, you know, we're chilling out. I know, t- I get the newspaper miserable. every day. <laughs> really? And uh,
1: uh look at the newspaper and, um, you know, um, if I wanted to look where a place was located, you know, growing up, I'd look – and even in my adulthood, we'd look at a phone book, mm. you know.
0: Do you still get phone books? No, we okay. don't have <laughs> <the> phone <laughs> books. Okay.
1: And my son would um, laugh at that, you know. Yeah. I mean, we don't do that now. But if they're looking for anything from a church to a restaurant, man, they're online. Mm. They're looking at reviews. Mm-hmm. they are things like that. So I don't think there's one better than the other.
0: Uh, Which I, do you prefer? Oh,
1: I, I prefer. Now, it all depends on the circumstances. Like I right. said, I prefer books. Mm-hmm. I prefer a hardback over a, a paperback, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but books, I, I prefer. I did, my faculty gave me, a. Uh, I think it was a Kindle yep. when they first came out. And, and I thought, man, that's the neatest thing. I can have all these books. But then I would mark in it and then couldn't find my marks, you know. Uh, it was just, right. it didn't really work for me. And there's still something about um, getting a letter that someone wrote yep. by hand. And uh, I look and I wish my uh, – I'm still an adult and I work on my penmanship. I don't copy letters or anything like that. But I, that's another thing mm-hmm. because please I, tell, this, okay, please, in
0: school I didn't learn to write cursive. So I really? learned as an adult. Okay. Please tell me the value of good penmanship. Mine's really bad. And, but I, I go to write. And I'm like, I really want to have really good penmanship because I'm always impressed when I see someone with, like, really good handwriting. I'm like, wow, they really have it together. (laughs) But then I start doing it, and I think I'm just too impatient to, like... Yeah, I don't know that
1: there's great value. In fact, like I said, um, some schools have quit teaching um, a lot of uh, cursive writing and things like that, Mm. even though there is some research that says, you know, writing helps you flow thought and things like that. But who knows? There's research for everything. (laughs) (laughs) but uh i think it for me just like picking up a book it was something that again not not downing anyone but i didn't have those experiences as as a child you know of of uh maybe read the boxcar children maybe that but um of picking up and uh reading i can still remember as as um and in high school i wow don't hate to say it i don't remember reading a lot outside of a, a textbook. So I find mm. some personal joy in, in that. So far as the value of it, I don't know that I could debate the value of it. But for me, uh, that, there is nothing like it. I mean, I have... Written people notes and it's something just about the tactile experience for me mm-hmm. and if I'm gonna if I'm gonna write a letter I would much man, I'd like to have some linen paper and like for it to feel mm-hmm. different and and like I said I've always been ashamed of my penmanship and still uh, I don't consider myself very skilled in that area but what I've learned about penmanship I probably learned back teaching third grade when we did teach cursive and in practicing uh, as an adult, I still have it. occasionally. I, I would say a a mixed form of uh, print <laughs> cursive that will slip in there, yeah, kind personal of like style, a slang language or something in writing. But um, but uh, it's extremely valuable for me. Mm. But I don't know that it's valuable uh, for everyone. My wife and I were just talking about how photographs are going away, and mm. I told her that I wanted to buy some photo albums so I could share some with my grandkids. But now everything's mainly on the computer. Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, actually yeah actually a, a, a couple of episodes of the podcast ago um, I had I was interviewing a f- local photographer um, and we kind of talked about that about how you know e- when you have photos on your phone you you make one small little motion you go through a hundred of them but when you have one photo to look at on a wall it's like and it's you know you can't move it easily or you have a photo book with you know two or four photos at a time it kind of brings more value to the photo because it's more it stands out well. For me as unique, a reflective but. person it does does for me cuz yeah.
1: I'll think when I look at a like I said everything's do when I look to a photo album and see my dad at 19 you know after right. having participated in the invasion of Normandy Omaha Beach mm. and trying to think of what's going on in a young 19-year-old's mind it's just uh, experience some of the uh, difficulties of war, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, um, there's something and like I said, I think it's personal. I can't, I can't say, well one's more value, valuable to another. You know, I right. still go to my son and say, tell me how to do this or my 16 year old now, tell me how to do this on my phone. You know, um, um, but you, for me. You, yeah, okay. well,
0: I was going to say, you mentioned earlier like, you uh, to, uh, when we are talking about mentors, finding a mentor that is like, you want to model after. So if someone wanted to model their life after yours, then oh, they wow. would say that. I would say, is I would say, I would say aim <laughs> higher. First of all,
1: aim higher no. Then um, I would say, but it's, it's a generational thing. And like I said, I, I, it may not be as important to your generation and I don't know, but the ability to express your thought in writing, I think besides using your fingers on your phone yep. is, um, Beneficial for me. I want to make sure I say that because, (laughs) man, there may be people uh, setting a conference recently with uh, Caleb. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, what am I doing? I have my journal and I'm making notes. Caleb's on his phone. Yep. And has them with him all the time. Mm -hmm. Mine are at the house now. If I was Caleb, I could pull up my phone and show you my notes.
0: That's true, yeah.
1: Just as good. So I think it's what works for you. Mm. But um, writing, journaling you know
0: it it means something to me um i don't think i knew that your dad was on omaha beach yes twice uh, wounded wow yeah can you tell me some stories
1: about he, you it, know, it here's an odd odd thing okay. not really because um my dad never discussed it till the d-day museum opened in new orleans mm. and we brought him there for the opening parade and uh, I knew certain things. I knew he carried a Browning automatic rifle. That was his, his job. I knew they were put out in water that was over their head. And, and little stories like that. But, um, you know, he might say, well, they got ambushed here, ambushed there. And I've got a map of where he had gone. But he really uh, didn't speak about it till mm-hmm. he was um, elderly. And I never really could understand that. But it was... Um, but I do, there is, uh, it was, I think, so personal to him and so um, uh, graphic in his mind mm-hmm. that it, uh, it's not something that he wanted to dwell upon. I was told that he would do some hunting prior to his military service, but never hunted afterwards. Really? Mm. You know. Um, so. Have you been to... Normandy? No, I have not. I'm okay. um, not well traveled. <laughs> only just journal about things like that. <laughs> but hopefully one day. You do a lot of traveling though. Ah, uh, local, <laughs> you know, like uh, domestic type stuff. It's mainly because of my kids scattering out now. Right?
0: Yeah, they're scattered everywhere now. They are. Yep, they Texas are. and and Virginia. Virginia and one is still here. Yeah. Well, two still here. Uh, I two still that's have. That's right.
1: That's or, right. an odd story, but you know, oldest 35, my youngest is 16.
0: Can we uh, talk about that? Yeah, I think we can if there's, you know. Yeah. Uh, I was just curious about, the, I guess, the whole uh, adoption process.
1: Yeah, my youngest, for what Chase is referring to, my youngest uh, is adopted. We, I got her when she was 16 months old, and, and she knows that, so if she listens to this, I'm not telling her anything um, that she's not aware of, but, um, man, that's a life-changing mm. uh, thing, and people have I've heard people say, do you feel the same? And I can absolutely say 100%. Mm. She's uh, like flesh of my flesh, Mm. you know. Uh, There is um, not anything that feels different, but it is different because now I'm more of a grandparent age, and I am a grandparent, and I have a 16-year-old, you know, and she is uh, a joy, and... uh, A challenge all wrapped up in one. No, just kidding, every 16-year-old is a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, um, so I've heard. But, um, no, incredible child. And very fast. Uh, Can run a long way. Long way. She's got some distance. Yeah,
0: Didn't she set some records or something? Uh, She set
1: some records at her her school. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. That's that's steel, when you get into the world of running, sometimes that's a big fish in a smaller pond. They're schools that really focus in running. But she she does extremely well. Mm you know um you know um has run her first uh i guess it's was that a quarter marathon or half marathon. i'm not really sure recently mm. but um cool go on, you ashley you know yeah she does a great job but she's an incredible child but that was a um an incredible process and it's kind of funny we always felt like we would have four kids and we only had three mm. you know and so that's pretty uh, cool she kind of completed the fourth there yeah. and uh like I said, she probably has a tougher road than than we do because, you know, when you're uh when your oldest sibling is thirty five and you're sixteen, it's like having, you know, she's got another dad, she's got you know, two other moms. Yeah. Right. Know, because yeah. Because they're older. I'm sure she
0: does hear it from from oh, <laughs> she hears it from
1: every side. But like I said, um we tell her all the time that what uh in fact when she was younger we'd say, Hey, you're one of our greatest blessings, you know.
0: That's cool. Um jumping back a little bit what uh okay. what kind of books do you read what kind of
1: books do i read Hmm, good question uh and i made a change and so i'll tell you that okay you know when i first started reading um it was all uh information yeah you know information oriented i feel bad and that's what i, yeah. I, I, that's I, what fiction, I did but, but then i then i discovered um boy there are other things to read and mm. and, and, and this is gonna Sound pretty bad having been an educator, but, you know, I didn't read things growing up like the Secret Garden and, you know, all those type of uh, books that are really Mm. uh, classic. So, uh, again, this is not a very – probably the only series that I've read and kind of reread. And I haven't read some of the newer ones that come out because I felt like I had to reread the first – please don't judge me because of this, but uh, (laughs) I loved – uh, at home midford at home midford okay Jennifer never heard Hall. of it uh not a very mainly series but it's uh, all okay. about episcopal priest and and uh it has a lot of um a lot of prayer in the book but it has a lot of humor that particularly if you've been around the church much where you see characters that you can identify with mm. and all that
0: Like uh, christian humor
1: oh absolutely <laughs> just in good. characters how how people are, yeah, you yeah. know and behave and and uh, do all those things um so you know um i'll pick up books like i said that uh probably um uh, someone would say well, goodness i can't believe you're an adult reading you know <laughs> uh, those type of things but it's been it's been real meaningful for me so i kind of have to find a novel that um uh, Really fits. And I did read one recently on the bestseller list, uh, Educated, mm-hmm. um, which okay. is uh, kind of a sobering read. It's um, It really is kind of based upon a true story and kind of a, a sobering read, but I enjoyed that. Is as it well.
0: in the, like, uh, takes place in the school system? Or well, something? it
1: takes place with, a, not to give it away, but a young lady in her family that. Um, um, really were supposed to be self taught at home or something like that. They ended oh, up being okay. extremely uh it was almost like parents' fear of the government kept mm-hmm. them from educating their kids. Mm-hmm. And uh the kids um were brilliant, you know, and, and smart and ended up um the main character received her PhD and all this other kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So but um you know, I, I enjoy
0: reading, you know. Um so going back to the school, uh, because I did there's like a bunch so many questions I could ask you about that. Um how did you, as a principal dealing with teachers and parents, how did you approach conflict resolution? Okay. All right. Um here's how I approached
1: it, and I'm glad this is not a call in show. Someone might call <laughs> in and say, that's not how you handled it with me. Um and I handled it differently. I got wiser, I think, as I, as I yep, went. Yeah, that's fair. Away. I you hope know? I get wiser, too. Yeah, I, I, I could see in the beginning of handling that, um, number one, I always tried to find an area that we could agree on. You know, So kind I, of start with Well, yeah. With I that. mean, just the fact that I can validate if you were upset with me. Mm. that uh let's say you're upset with the school that they didn't do this, and you know I could tell I could tell you, and I mean this sincerely these these aren't lines that uh, you know, my parent myself uh I totally understand how you feel about something, you know um because our kids are man they're the most important thing many of us uh have, but I would try to find some area to be able to identify with someone, even if I, that doesn't mean I, I look for that we agree on the topic at hand. Mm-hmm. We could be miles apart, but any parent, even if I felt like they were wrong, I could agree on the fact that they care enough about their child to come and sit down and speak. That, that's worth something. Mm-hmm. And I started seeing value in perception. Someone's perception is real to them. So for me to, to immediately dismiss an event and say, well, well, that didn't happen, or this and that, in some ways is, is not being respectful of their perception. I would do that even when a, when a kid maybe felt like a teacher didn't like them. And I knew that that wasn't the case. But it was real to them. So I tried to be, um, you know, find some things that we could a- agree upon, up front, mm. try to, um, you know, validate, and that means sometimes saying a hard word, like I said, I could tell that if they were upset, uh, I could identify that, but if they got, if they weren't civil, I couldn't identify with that, mm. and I said, I can understand you're being upset, but we're going to talk like adults, so mm. we're going we're gonna to treat each other with respect. Like I said, I learned through the years that there's a way to do something, a way to say things to people, and man, I I discovered that parents love their kids and and they're sending you their best. They don't keep the best ones at home and send you the ones not the best. Mm. They send the best ones. And so um, trying to find some point is big. And then I think as I went through my career, understanding that it's okay if we're wrong. And there were times where I said, you know what? You're right, we're wrong. Let's fix this, we'll fix it. I think early on in my career, I felt like that was maybe a sign of weakness, you know? Mm. But uh, truth be known, that there are times we're wrong, whether it's a school, whether it's a company, uh, whether it's a husband or a wife, and sometimes we just have to own up and say, you know what, this isn't right. Mm. This, this shouldn't have happened this way. But I've always been um, solution-oriented into that. You know, I've been into meetings where, let's just say a child was having a, a a problem in school and there would be so much time spent on well this is you know he's having a problem with this he's having a problem with this and i said all right well let's let's look for a solution you know we already know what the problem is so i think even dealing with parents you know once we've identified a, a concern or it didn't have to be a parent whether it's a contractor whether it's uh, a teacher once we've identified identified what the concern is let's look for
0: a solution mm. you know there's there's generally solutions to things um so did you uh do you have any did you ever ha- i guess did you ever have anybody like that you had to kick out of your office because they were going crazy <laughs> how widespread is this program <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's like maybe 15 people that listen okay so. well
1: um you know, but it I, lives forever. I did have occasion where someone said they were going to come tump over my desk oh, you know, really? before. And I, Didn't let them in? No, no. I let them in. just uh, said, if you tump over my desk, I'm going to call the police because it's my desk, mm-hmm. you know, kind of deal. And, um, you know, by and large, like I said, what you're looking for is to make sure things are safe. I, I've never been concerned about my safety. But I don't like... Uh, kids or either other adults see seeing a person that's not at their best, that's not in control. Mm. You know, so my thing is, I would rather not kick someone out. I would rather move it and de-escalate it mm. if I can. Instead of us discussing this hallway, let's move to this office and talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, so like I said, I, I wouldn't say no. I haven't really had to, to kick very many people. <laughs> you know off or out or anything like that because like i said that's not generally resolving what the problem is right (laughs) but um i when it was when it was my spot to be an authority i didn't let people abuse other people i wasn't going to let them abuse my staff not going to let them uh you know let's talk about things civilly like i said it could be a situation where we're wrong Mm -hmm. and sometimes like i said parents are just very emotional about their kids Mm -hmm. i mean i was i mean i told my kids since they were little i said uh i'm not afraid of dying there's probably two ways i would rather not die i would rather not be eaten by anything Mm -hmm. and i would rather not burn Mm -hmm. but i said there's not a fire that i wouldn't walk through for you or a bear i wouldn't wrestle for you so um parents are very passionate in understanding that and so if you can let if you can give them a chance to de-escalate, and I don't believe in just letting someone blow off steam, you know, um, unless they do it at home, but you know, um, you know, I don't think the answer is just cutting things off. When you can keep the communication open, you do that, you know. But there's probably been bad choices I made too.
0: Um, so how do you uh, like? How do you I guess deliver bad news, or how do you uh, address someone who you know is? whether they see it coming or not, they're just kind of not either a good fit or like they have, they're doing something wrong and you have to address it and fix it. Well,
1: I've learned a lot of lessons about that through the years. Um, I've done it wrong so many times of catching someone on a break and telling them or sitting down with them and saying, hey, this is a problem. And then what I've discovered is I just ruined the rest of their day, Right, you know? and that was uh, not very mature of me or didn't give that much thought. So I I, I started giving some thought to the timing in which I shared people mm-hmm. with people. Um, if I've got a problem with you and your podcast, I'm not going to do it right before you you record it. Right. You know, Yeah. later we'll talk about it or something like that. So uh, and I think the best thing is just be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, don't beat around the bush. Uh, you know, don't try to emotionally beat people up. You know, try to um, if it's a fixable, if it is a raceable thing, if it's someone that, wow, taught a lesson, it didn't just go great, then, hey, there might be a, there's another opportunity, mm. you know, um, if it came to be where you really had to just part company, you still try to do that uh, respectfully with someone, you know, because, um that's how you'd want to be treated so now i can say in in 31 years did i do that perfectly no i I probably didn't uh i always felt like um that whether it was conflict or something i'm dealing with if i could keep composure if um i could not get emotional about it far as what i would call losing it Mm -hmm. then then i came out so much better you know um because, really, I can't control someone else. I can only control me. Mm. So if I can do that. But i found in delivering bad news or challenging news, the best thing is to uh, uh, do it politely, you know, uh, do it respectfully. But don't beat around the bush with it. Just kind of say what it is, you know, if it's something where, you know, and... Um, And sometimes you do have to give someone a a very difficult uh, word, or sometimes you do have to give them a point of correction. And, hey, sometimes you even have to be corrected, Mm -hmm. you know. And uh, I always felt like I did that, even with my staff and I know with parents. I would always leave, and this wasn't sarcastic in any means. If you felt like I treated you disrespectfully or in some way not being competent, are sarcastically then I always told them here's my supervisor here's their name here's their phone number you call them and if they let me know that I've done something wrong then I'm gonna own up to it you know mm-hmm. but um, so I think they have to be willing to know that hey you're gonna you're gonna be measured by the same way mm-hmm. you know so I felt like timing is something you don't want to and I've done that who many many times wrong mm-hmm. you know but I learned through the years that uh, timing and really how you say and developing a relationship with people, you've got to make the effort. Um, if what's causing you a problem is a snapshot into their life. Then you've got to make sure that you get a little bit more footage to know that what you saw may not have characterized them, whether it's a parent or whether it's a child. You know, I've had a situation where a parent asked me, said, well, a child came home and said you called him a liar. I said, oh, no, I, I, I wouldn't do that. Did I say I may have thought he lied? That's very possible. But a liar is someone that's characteristically lies, and mm-hmm. I would never do that. I mean, your child is a child. I mean, I don't really know adults really that I would say, oh, that person's a liar because that characterizes who they are. So I, I think um, speaking um, plain but doing it respectfully uh you know, understanding that you're dealing with people mm-hmm. is important.
0: Um, how did you handle and you may not have done it like directly, I guess. Well actually you probably did, but um like the oh. discipline aspect within uh a school. Discipline kid bad kids or kids that yeah, there's all mm-hmm. different cut different types of uh things that kids will do, but uh was there did you have to like come up with systems for teachers to handle and then you handle, or uh, I guess how well, did all that? I got to be careful about what I say
1: there because then you may, you know, there, there are things just I don't want misread. Um, teachers were in charge of discipline in their classroom when they felt like the That it was not able to be resolved in the classroom, then an administrator was the one that it was referred to. Okay, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, what I learned is, you know, you have to listen, you know, and so I did spend a lot of time listening to kids. I would usually tell them, "Hey, write down what happened for me," you know, and um, I'll give you a few minutes, and
0: we'll we'll talk, Mm. you know. That's interesting. Have them write down and then...
1: Yeah, then we talk about about it, you know, because they need time to process things a little bit too, you know. And I've also heard, I didn't really do this very well, I heard this at the end of my career, give them them some water because that helps kind of flush their system a little bit. Mm. You know, you get all these emotions in your your body, you know, it helps just to kind of relax a little bit. But um, then we would sit there and kind of... um, Go over what they wrote about. And, and something that changed through the years for me, I remember early in my k- career, I might would make a child apologize. You, you have to apologize. And then I thought, well, that's not right because um, just making them say words an apology <laughs> or something like that needs to be heartfelt. Mm-hmm. And so I would, at the, toward as I gained some experience, I would say, do you want to apologize? Mm-hmm. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they would tell me yes, I would say, well, practice on me tell me tell me what you're sorry for or tell me how you would like to do that because I don't want to go interrupt a cl- teacher in class and you just say sorry or whatever. You, you need to know what you're sorry for and what you're going to do differently, you know, with that. And then sometimes I would find out that they... Um, and then I would go back and verify things as well because there's been a few times where I found out mm, it's a little bit more like what the kid said, you know, when I really checked it out, you know... Um, that no, the teacher didn't see him do this or whatever. But um, so there've been some times like that, and uh, man, I never wanted to uh, discipline a child that was innocent. Man, did that happen over thirty-one years? I'm sure it happens sometime. You know, mm-hmm. it's what I it's what I tried to tell them even on on correction that you know uh, principals aren't perfect. You know, I'm going to do the best I can with the information I have. Mm-hmm. You know, but that was something that was very important to me: is to try my very best to make sure that a child wasn't held accountable uh, for something that they didn't do.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and what about, um, I guess, the quote-unquote good kids in the school? What was, uh, what were some of the things that y'all did to? Um, kind of encourage the good behavior uh, yeah. and then also kind of uh, cont- help the kids kind of lost in the middle to grow and excel um, over their, or with their potential.
1: Okay, um, let me kind of go back, and, and not in ways of, of, of correcting you, but something that I really learned through my career is that really there's no bad kids, kind of good kids. There, there are kids that make some bad decisions. There are kids that maybe haven't had consistency in their life, mm-hmm. so um, I really, when I think about the most difficult kids that I deal with, man, I could, I actually say now there's been a few that that made my life rough for a season, but I really cared for them, and occasionally one would come back as an adult, mm. and uh, saw one a uh, couple years back and said, uh, "Do you remember me?" And I said, "Oh yes, I, I remember you," and I. Uh, it, you know, he mentioned some discipline or some action or whatever. And I, I said, well, man, I hope I didn't uh, do anything in any way that uh, stunted your growth as a person or anything. And he said, no, in fact, what you, what you did helped me in mm-hmm. so many ways. <clears throat> so um, I don't think there is, but I think, like I said, the good kids, I, I mentioned that earlier, can be lost um, in the woodwork. You know, so I think making an effort to know kids' names, to to make sure uh, you tell them a good job, um, to look at their work in the hallway. I used to uh, write on every report card that went home. Mm. And that gets hard if it doesn't seem like there's a good thing to comment on. mm you know, it might say, hey, you need to keep working
0: for like you would do that for
1: for every one now, when I get uh, when it got up to be like 700 kids and, <laughs> and there was an assistant we would take I would take <coughs> 400 and she would take 400 mm-hmm. or you would take 400 and then we would swap in the next nine weeks. I would take the 400 that she had and mm-hmm. she would take the 400 I had and we would write a note. And I did that my entire principal career. Uh, Even when we were doing things, computers, we printed them out before they went home, I would write them a note and might say, man, if I'm looking at the second nine weeks, man, I like the way you improved reading. Mm -hmm. Or let's say there wasn't anything good to report academically. What's saying? Don't give up. Keep trying. It was just one sentence type of thing. Yeah you know we don't have kids today me said so, you remember what you wrote on my report card and sometimes <laughs> i was oh, i don't really remember you know but uh, again that's something i learned but it was handwritten it was handwritten yep. it was handwritten yep. uh and even when we had the capability of putting a note on it by computer like have a great summer or whatever i would still write on them mm-hmm. and so i would go as i went through class and i was sitting in a class and i might have that class's report card and i would write on each one while i sat there in their class, Mm. you know,
0: um, Um, that. let me ask you this question. Uh, so I had on a few episodes back, I interviewed one of my old high school teachers and we talked and he was actually administrator for a little bit, but we talked a little bit, um, kind of about this home dynamic and the school dynamic. So in your opinion, with so many years of experience, uh, how much do you see the home dynamic of kids affect their performance at school or their experience and performance at school and then uh, because I'm sure the answer is yes it affects it so maybe speak about that and then also like how do you bridge that because obviously you're not their parent and you don't see them at home so how did you kind of make them do or help them to do better despite
1: well kind of generalize because you know there are no absolutes just like the book I mentioned the, the young lady in that book had a what I would consider a horrific childhood mm. and was super intelligent. Now, she had to work through a lot of other issues. So I, I don't know that it um, makes you or breaks you academically. I think it's tremendous variable mm-hmm. in there. But like I said, what I tried to learn is um, some parents are doing the best that they can, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it may look a little bit different than, than it looked for me, as a child, with my parents, um, but it's what did we do to bridge that gap? I think first of all, we continue to uh congratulate kids, and these are not any any of the ideas that I gave you. There's a couple that are original with me, but most things you take from people that are successful, mm-hmm. and so um, many of a uh, teacher saw a student doing something well, uh, they made a great grade or whatever. They would put them in a box that we had, and every Friday we drew out for prizes, you know, like that. Um, so, but what did we do to bridge that gap? You know what? I've made uh, a lot of home visits in my oh, career. Really? That's one thing that I felt very important early in my career, and I continued it all into the end, mm. is that... Um, in fact, there's kind of a, a funny story with one of those. but. Um, You know, if I told them I was going by their house, I said, you can bank on it. I said, I'll either be on my motorcycle or my truck or my car, and I'm coming to your house. Because I wanted parents to know. Because if parents knew that their child was struggling in a way, let's just say particularly with behavior, no parent really wants that, you know. So I remember riding a bus one day because I wasn't sure of where this child lived, and it was very rural. Mm -hmm. And I rode the bus out to the child's house and got off the bus with the child and told the bus driver. I knew the bus driver had to loop around, and um, I I said, look... I'll be out there when you loop around she said what if you're not i just said well keep going <laughs> and so the conversation took a little longer and and she kept going and this is uh when i didn't have a cell phone oh man you know yeah. so i'm literally walking this is miles from school wow. out in okay. pasture land and i'm walking and and it, it's important to have a good reputation there was someone sitting on the porch and said uh Mr. Davis, you need some help? And I said, Well, if you'd call the school and ask them to send someone for me to pick me up, that would be helpful. And did they? And they did. Nice. They did. Okay. They called didn't have wife to walk the whole way. Didn't have to walk the <laughs> whole way. But you know, I determined that it was my making. So I think keeping parents in the loop. We did newsletters. And again, mm. that um side note, Chase, but I could share with you. I I wrote newsletters not about hey, how to study more, but what I learned about kids. What, oh, what cool. I learned about kids, what I learned about parents, mm-hmm. the, the good things that I saw in parents, the good things that I saw uh, in kids I related it to my family. You know, my kids go back and look and, and see stories about them that I sent home in the newsletter, and mm-hmm. it was really about lessons that I've learned, and that's I guess cool. that's what really got me into writing a lot more, too.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Um, so, about going back a little bit to what we were talking about earlier, technology, Right. Um, How did you see technology affect this elementary school over your uh, tenure? Oh, I think it was –
1: I think it's been great. Like I said, when I started, we weren't online. Right. You know – we had some computers that had disks and things floppy like discs, that. Floppy disks? Yes, so, yeah. that kind of thing. <laughs> yep. But uh, we weren't online, so when I saw that she probably doesn't
0: know what a floppy disk is. No, nah, <laughs> she probably doesn't.
1: Uh, I saw that change and, and, and saw the, um, man, such a neat thing for, for kids to uh, experience. But I tell you, uh, uh, computers don't teach kids, by and large, mm. you know, so... Um, You know, I don't think that's the end-all. You know, we never had a computer for every child. I'm not knocking anyone that does. I mean, that's great. Uh, My granddaughter, they have a a Chromebook for every child. She brings one home, that kind of thing. And that's incredible. And Mm -hmm. she submits all our homework through that. But what what can I say? That is so neat. But that didn't have, you know, that didn't happen overnight and like I said the first time we got computers in every classroom was like amazing and what we would do um, early on before we went to as an independent before we were an independent school district we were part of a larger district we would literally uh, save money over time to implement a, pro- a project that we might do over the next five years to add a computer for every hmm. for every classroom or hmm. something like that so I've seen it change um, you know, it's it's kind of neat. They have automated calling now if your child's out and... Oh,
0: really? All that okay. kind of
1: thing. It's, you know, it's... Technology is a, a great thing. I don't think it'll take the place of people, and I'm not saying anything about people that have the majority of their instruction on computers. That can also be a, a great thing. But I, I think that, um, you know, it's still... It's what do people do with it, mm. you know, like that. It's... I've seen some kids do some really neat things on computers, uh, some research. One time, we had a group of elementary students that actually designed an experiment, and we got to to um, <clears throat> excuse me drive to to uh, space shuttle launch because our experiment was going to be on the space shuttle. Wow! You know, that it was awesome. it was going to be huge. You yeah. know, and so that was like a you know chance of a lifetime kind of deal. So um, I think it's have I've seen it change from nothing to where, like I said, one of my granddaughters has a Chromebook right, or a yeah. laptop or something like that, that she brings home every day is checked out to her. She does all her homework on it. And uh, do you think,
0: neat. do you think that the, uh, do you think that it helps um, kids learn better? And that's kind of a generic statement, but uh, do you think the, the actual educational experience or maybe the amount of education that a kid gets is increased uh, with technology? I think it can be enhanced. Okay.
1: Yeah, I, I do, do think it can be enhanced. It's all about how it's used. Um, I've seen where, you know, you can have a computer and if it's not, uh, either if it's not being used or it's not being used properly. I've never been a fan of video games. I'm still not. Mm-hmm. My I think some of my grandparents children think i suck all the fun out of everything but uh (laughs) i'll play a game with them but uh, you know i don't want to do video games you know that kind of thing so uh i've seen uh computers set up in in situations that we're supposed to be learning where you know it was a reward and you get to go play this game Mm. so
0: it's all about how it's used gotcha i think um can ask your opinion on some things, maybe yeah. that may could I possibly... I may give them and may not. <laughs> and that's totally fine that's if okay. you don't because they might be, uh, poss- could possibly be somewhat controversial, not really, but okay. And like I said, like 11 people listen to the podcast, so um, but a couple of questions about, um, so let's see, do you think the the whole process of how schooling happens, um, you know, kindergarten through 12th grade, usually four-ish to 18, five days a week, six to seven hours a day in a classroom, 30 kids to a teacher, or more or less in that. Do you think that that kind of uh, system is still the best way to set up an educational mm. system? I know this is a really big question, but it's yeah. just to maybe kind of tiptoe into this idea, because it's kind of been the same for a long time, sitting in a classroom and hearing someone talk, and so that's kind of maybe kind of what I was asking with the technology thing, like, should it change more? Do, do you kind of feel like it's it's it was good the way it happened when you were there what are some of your thoughts on that well you
1: know you can always you never arrive so you know i don't want to put anything that i did or or, or the school that i worked with uh, did up as a a, a model it, it was a it was um we had some success we also had some failure you know like that um far as a model of of education, you know, I've I've heard of education reform, and there needs to be reformed, And I've heard people debate homeschool versus traditional school. And, and you and I know someone that was uh, took a not traditional route of education, and they are uh, a high ranking officer in a in a military in in the military, mm-hmm. you know, like that. And um, really, what I've tried to you know, at least as kids get old enough to understand, education is going to be what you make of it. Um, it's going to be what you put into it. You know, it's, it's that way whether you're, you're, you're teaching or whether you're, you're learning. So do I think, I think there are a lot of different models out there, homeschooling public school private school now charter schools i don't know that there's one you can put above another you know um and unfortunately um you haven't seen all have the same opportunity or afforded the same opportunity um uh, my personal thought is i don't like to see a lot of kids in a classroom mm. you know big classes i think that's hard i uh, and I wondered, you know, because we reached a point in elementary school where my teachers came to me and they wanted to start. When I taught, I taught all the subjects. I was their teacher for the year. right? Um, my teachers came to me and said, we'd like to split up. And I can see the benefit in that where a teacher can specialize in science or specialize in math or specialize in
0: in reading, so were they doing that whenever uh, at el- in elementary schools? Were they uh, splitting subjects between teachers? W- yes, uh, okay. il-
1: not in the be- beginning of my career, but Later. shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. Not not where it's like it is in a high school where you'd have yeah, uh, seven different teachers. Yeah, you would have like maybe two different teachers. Yeah, because I think and not like- at every age level. Not maybe okay. not where you're you're teaching the basics of reading or something like that. But as they got older, and and there's pros and cons with that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I always felt like uh, when I taught all the subjects, one of the things that I enjoyed was that um, I could um, teach across the curriculum. I mean, like, uh, I could make an application in a story that we read about a country and, and refer to it back in social studies, mm-hmm. you know, or yeah. something like that, which is hard to do if you're not teaching both right. subjects. But in answer to your question, Chase, I don't know that there's one model um that I would feel like, hey, this is where we need to go. We we don't need to have classes that are, um, have too many kids in them.
0: So that, it sounds like that's probably the biggest thing that sticks out in your mind as? People teacher ratio,
1: and when you're talking about a traditional school system, is a is a variable, I mean, for you know, you can find people's on, people on both sides of the fence to say, well, yep. it doesn't matter, it does matter. Uh, I think it makes a difference even socially. You know, mm. um, like I said, so I don't think there's one set and model to do that. I'm sharing with you the only model I've participated mm. in. You know, that's the only model I've.
0: Um, again, another kind of an outsider question, um, but they, you know, it's talked a lot about in, uh, it's talked about a lot in politics, uh, education this an education that, Um and a lot of, you hear a lot that we need to invest more in education. Uh, do you think that? Uh, do you think that? Or I guess whenever you were principal, did you feel like there was budgetary restrictions on your organization that made where if they were changed or lifted, it would have made everybody's life easier and kids do better. Wow,
1: kids! That's a good question as well. And and look, I was fortunate that. Um you know i didn't really feel a lot of restrictions mm-hmm. um our, our district was pretty good about putting funding where it makes a difference with kids you know so um, i guess
0: i guess maybe that is my question then where where do they where do you put funding to make a difference well in, people kids? teacher ratio is one so hire more teachers to get you know uh them.
1: get classes smaller um making sure that the area that they have in which to work is conducive to learning. Mm. If your lighting is poor, you know, then improve your lighting, Mm. you know. um, So, I was fortunate, again, like I go back and say, I worked with a great staff. Uh, Even before we were independent, you know, I worked with people that, uh, and even members of the community that had a buy-in into the schools and um, an investment is what I mean, and, um, you know, they raise money privately or whatever. So my experience is different than others. Mm. You know, I've had uh, teachers come that work for me and said, you know, we had to buy our own paper. Well, we never had to buy our own paper, Mm.
0: you know. Um, So so is that that the school district level issue usually? Yeah, that's 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 usually,
1: but again, some of it comes down to funding and, you know, uh, public schools and uh, and perhaps even some charter. I'm not as familiar with charter, you know, and, uh, well, just like private schools. Private schools are funded how? They're funded by tuition. Mm-hmm. You know, if your student number drops down, your tuition goes down, you're going to have less resources mm-hmm. to do things with. Um, if you live in an area that uh, doesn't have a good tax base, you're kind of at a disadvantage already mm-hmm. to get the things you want. So... The only thing I can speak is that I had the opportunity, you know, to be in an area where uh, we didn't really want for anything, you know, that they put funding where it needs to go. They had the funding, first of all, they had the tax base, and that's strictly thankful for the community. Uh, We had the tax base, and then people made a wise decision early uh, on in my career when we went independent we were all viewed as support personnel for what happens in the classroom. If you were a principal, you weren't, you were support personnel. If you cut the grass, you were support personnel for what every, everything revolved about what happened in that classroom. And you were support personnel. It's a way of kind of putting you, make sure you're in your place. You were Mm. support personnel for whatever happened in that classroom. Mm. That what, uh my leader was saying was that uh, there's nothing more important than what happens in that classroom. Mm -hmm. If you're going to inconvenience someone, inconvenience an adult. If you're going to go without, go without on administrative level. Mm -hmm. You know, so I I don't mean to say that other people aren't making the right decisions with their money. Some uh, don't have Mm -hmm. the resources to make the better decisions with. Right. You know, so, yes, I think uh, doing that and – um, paying teachers an adequate uh, salary. Teaching is one of the hardest jobs I know. I don't care if you're a homeschool teacher, you're a private school teacher, you're a public school teacher. I used to tell people all the time, it's kind of a life, it's not a job. Mm-hmm. You know, if you really want to be successful at it, mm-hmm. with it, it's kind of a life. I saw teachers that uh prepared in the summer. They came up when they weren't getting paid to get rooms ready. Mm-hmm. Um, I've... Uh, seeing parents at home school their kids uh, collecting resources like year-round, you know, to get ready for what they were going to do. T- teaching is a, a very uh, rewarding job, but it is kind of a life if you're going to do it correctly. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it just as a job, thinking, oh, you're going to have summers off, uh, chances are you may not be very successful with it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about uniforms?
1: Oh, good question because I was principal when we didn't have uniforms, and then no. we, we we didn't have them in the beginning, oh, Gotcha. You and then did. It. And I would say, uh in the okay. beginning, I was not for uniforms. Okay. I just did not want to be the uniform police. Mm-hmm. And then um, I loved uniforms, really. and as i uh, ended my career, I still now my grandchildren uh in another state. They don't wear uniforms, they're just as happy as they could be. <laughs> but um, they were here with uniforms and thriving as well. you know, so I'm kind of a fan of uniforms. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it does something to your environment. Um, you know it was said to be an equalizer. you know It didn't matter if you um, were affluent or not affluent. you're wearing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I think it can work either way. Uh, I can just tell you my personal view. I was not for it when we first instituted. I thought it was going to be a real headache. Mm -hmm. But um, I became a fan as I participated. It was just uh, something to see them all dressed the same and uh, really didn't have any um, issues with dress of one person comparing another person or things like
0: that. Right. You kind of felt like it uh, helped elevate the... I guess, the mood of...
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. We could always tell when it was free dress day. Right, right. You know, everyone's into <coughs> that self-expression more on free dress to the day. the principal's office on free dress day. Uh, well, we could have more <laughs> discussions in the hallway yeah, about can... on free, free dress day. But, uh, you know, they need that, too. And I learned that. Yeah. You know, there needs to be a time for being able to uh, individualize yourself. Mm-hmm. But I was pretty happy. And maybe that's taking the easy road. Maybe it was easier for me, for everyone to wear the same thing. Mm. you know and i don't have to worry about mm, is that shirt too short or too cut such a way right. or yeah they were all cut the same mm. you know so um i feel like it made my job easier i know there's some people that will be horrified
0: with that comment <laughs> um, okay so switching gears a little bit uh you've also been really involved in ministry uh throughout your life uh can you tell me what kind of what positions and they held a lot of different positions. Yeah. So maybe just a quick run through of what positions right. and, and when.
1: Okay. Uh, I'll do that. And I'm, I'm glad you brought okay. that up because I wasn't sure what I could mention and what I couldn't mention. So.
0: We can talk about whatever.
1: Oh, that's that's great. So there are only 15 people that listen, right? Right. Absolutely. Uh, I, I tell you, when <laughs> I said that I'm underqualified, I really just feel like I've seen the hand of God throughout my professional career. Mm. But uh, I started off um, – having a degree in religious education and a desire to actually pastor is what was originally what my desire was and still that desire is there maybe but uh, again i go back to the statement god can't use you where you're not he can only use you where you are but um i've been uh a children's minister uh when i first came to the church you and i attend mm-hmm. um I was children and youth. I was used before that in uh in central Louisiana and uh, it was a wonderful experience.
0: So uh wh- which one's better youth or children? Oh wow! Uh,
1: I don't know. It's like <laughs> that would be two a controversial different flavors answer. of your favorite ice cream. You know. Okay. All right. Uh, That's a
0: pretty good way to answer that question.
1: Yes. I mean, it's <laughs> awesome working with kids, and I still work with some children. Uh, I think you reach an age where you're probably less effective with youth. I don't know if you reach that with kids. Less, oh, less effective
0: with less effective with okay. youth. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. yeah, maybe where it's a little bit hard to relate or for them to relate to you. Right. You know, right. 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 Yeah. With kids, you know, you can be the grandpa, or you can be yeah. someone else's dad. Mm-hmm. You know. It, it works works both ways so I've, I've done children I've done youth uh, I've been associate pastor I think we've cleaned up before so I guess that would be custodial nice <laughs> I've uh, done worship yep you know um, and again another job terribly underqualified for didn't <laughs> no, play anything but not. the radio <laughs> but um, you know so I've done those things and my goodness if that's all there ever is uh, it'll, it will have been enough. It has great experiences
0: um, do you still play the harmonica
1: I do still I feel like that was you know when you're tired you look for things to do I'm, I've never <laughs> been bored people say you have bored but I try to pace myself okay you know you don't go to Walmart and the post office in the same day mm-hmm. you swap, You know, you spread it out right right you know so um had the pro- harmonica out uh, just I uh, want to say this week and I'm not saying that it sounded too good but I have three of them in my desk and I was up at my desk and just kind of uh, going through things and I found three and um, man, it was some kind of joyful noise. I don't know if I would consider it uh, music or not.
0: Yeah, it most definitely was. <laughs> um, so the ministry part. Um, and this could be at any level, you know, right. kids, youth, and your associate pastor, you are uh, everybody in the church except the pastor, I guess. Um, but how is it dealing with people in that context versus in uh school or in the quote unquote secular world? I don't think it's any. Different, okay. uh,
1: in, in a lot of ways, I still think uh, people are the same in both worlds. People are the same, you know. Uh, the 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 parent that's hurting uh, over uh, their child for whatever reason is no different than the uh, parent that's hurting because a spouse is sick. Are the spouses away from the church or, you know, so I think you're still dealing with hurts and you're still dealing with uh, maturity on a lot of different levels. So, um, in fact, I think really my dealing with people in the, uh, our church or the church people dealing with me um, greatly affected to the positive how I dealt with people professionally. Mm. there there are some times that i had to stop and say you know this is how we'd handle things at school it's not how it should be handled at church mm. you know um hopefully the church never reaches a, a a parting of of company you know um sometimes in business you do mm-hmm. you know um so you know those same skills i mean I, the same skills I used in those areas, same skills I used at home. In fact, my wife would remind me every once in a while, you're not the principal here, you know, <laughs> and she would uh, set me I straight. Could, I could picture you know? her saying that. <laughs> you know, she would. You're not the principal here. And uh, um, so I, I think it's it's all dealing with people. Uh, I've learned huge amounts uh, from people in both worlds. And hopefully that's, that's probably part of the problem, Chase, I feel like we have as a, a society is that we compartmentalize our life. You know, uh, you have your life at church, you have your life in business, you have your life in podcast world, and you have this. And, and really, for those of us that are in the church, there's really only one life, mm-hmm. and that life ought to blend into those areas. Uh, like I said, really, me going back after taking the year off was understanding that maybe, uh, Dewey, this is your ministry. Maybe this is where you pastor Mm -hmm. Maybe this is where you counsel people and care about people and uh, show them love and respect and uh, model things for them. Mm -hmm. So I think part of the problem is when people begin to compartmentalize what I would call that our world like this is my church life. This is my school life. You know, and I've had instances where people came to church that I had at school, and it's my oh great, what are they going to think of me? You know, right. uh, yeah. because like I said, you know, I had to enforce rules and things like that. But by and large, I feel like if you're genuine, if you try to operate with honesty, then then hopefully those worlds all blend. Mm-hmm. At least that's how I feel like it should be.
0: Um so, what are the things? And now that we're talking about the ministry thing, I actually do want to hear that your answer to this uh, for in the school system also. Um, but what did you? Or let's start with let's we'll start with the negative and finish on the positive.
1: Oh, is there a negative?
0: Well, not negative, but maybe more difficult. <laughs> okay. What were some of the the, the difficulties in uh, in ministry? And also in the school system, and then I was going to ask you what did you love most about both okay. of those. But
1: I think the difficulty um, in that, um, if you look at in, in in ministry, of course, hopefully, Lord, in in the uh, in your in your job, you know what you get paid for. In my case, it was the school system. Hopefully. Um, and God speaks to me as well, you know. I don't want that to sound spooky. I'm not trying to be that way. <laughs> yeah. But w- what what I'm saying is it, to learn that, you know, in in business or something, you would revert back to processes, mm. you know. There's a process for handling this crisis. Mm-hmm. There's a process for handling these things. And in the church, it's, it's not necessarily so. So challenges for me would be to understand you know and I can remember I can remember when I led worship and I'm going to be very transparent since there's only 15 people in there hopefully it's not um, you know (laughs) I would get discouraged maybe people weren't on time things like that to practice and I would say you know I do this five days a week it's not what I want to do when I come to worship Mm. when I I come to church I don't want to correct Mm-hmm. behavior yeah. and things like that. And that was a real struggle for me. So I would say that that uh, is a negative, I guess. Um, and I would always view the experience that I have, even when I was questioned in church and, and someone says, well, what would you do about this? It's a situation in church and I would revert back to processes that uh, I've used in school and, and sometimes that's good and sometimes it's not because we have to understand in church we can't have a process for everything and I think church has to have some processes too So yeah, somewhere right. along the line but that's not um, we it should be built totally around community you know and our lives together and our devotion to God and um, like I said there comes a point where to uh, to be efficient even in ministry it's good to have some processes so that's probably the challenge, I guess. Um the challenge in uh school was to realize you are responsible for a lot of lives. Yeah. A lot of kids. Um uh, you can't afford a mistake. You know, like I said, a lot of things are erasable. If a child gets hurt, um if a child, God forbid, would be killed or something mm-hmm. like that. So it's not an erasable mm-hmm. thing. You know, um, so I think the pressure of always trying to make sure... Like I said, you may not always make the best decision, but you kept people safe. You didn't make a a decision that was convenient, thinking that, uh, well, nothing bad could happen to someone. If there was even the remote possibility, you know, uh, you always took that extremely serious. It doesn't take... uh, as we've just seen in recent news uh, a tornado where 24 right. 25 people lost their lives mm-hmm. and that was probably my greatest fear of something like that happening that's outside of my control mm-hmm. but then knowing that I'm still responsible that I move kids quick enough that I put them in shelter soon enough so i think the negative far is that of the challenge was just the day-to-day pressure of knowing that um, you're responsible for everything that happens there Mm -hmm. and that parents have entrusted the lives of your child their children to you Mm -hmm. that's a oh that would keep me up sometimes at night and wondering okay did i make the right decision about this Mm -hmm. or that you know um and it could have easily been you know and i was fortunate enough to not to deal with a lot of tragedy and in in my you know career i think i did probably the saddest lowest point is where i actually had a a kindergarten student killed, not on campus, mm. um, in a traffic-related thing, uh, and uh, was probably the saddest point of my career. Mm-hmm. As far as that, um, um, but so that's the negative. That's the hard thing. I think it's, I think it's pressure uh, of knowing that you can't really afford a mistake when you're, you know, you're entrusted with the lives of people. Not saying you're perfect, but you really have to make sure that where it counts, you're not making mistakes. So mm-hmm. that, that I would think would be the tough point. In ministry, I think it's realizing that ministry is not a business. And even though it's good to have some processes to fall back on, uh, it needs to, to be more relational than process-oriented, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that's the, the negative there. And the positive, Wow. When I think about the literally thousands of kids that I worked with, Mm -hmm. you know, I can, wow, I can say that, you know, people say, well, did you not like your job or whatever? Why'd you leave kind of deal? It was great. It's a great job. Hard, but uh, great. And to think about, and I still have, kids that stop me and say hey you were my principal and sometimes they're being kind so you're the best principal i ever had (laughs) i'm saying i'm so glad that i didn't mess you up in so way you know some way so i think um just the reward the same thing being responsible for the lives is the negative thing with school having the opportunity to input and to be a part of lives i mean you know it's incredible one of one of my uh, students elementary students uh, last year taught my 16 year old daughter cool and That's uh, really cool. you know just seeing the uh, man the teacher that he he has become mm-hmm. who's a great student as a child but mm-hmm. you know and seeing things like that uh, is incredible now the 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 church thing uh, or ministry might be a little bit uh, harder I think gosh it's the same kind of thing you know um I think having had the people, I would not be, I've been at the same church for, uh, probably 34 years, 33, 34 years. And those people have, uh, seen me through sickness of my kids, seen me through, uh, house purchase, seen me through repairing house that, you know, I mean, just all kind of things, uh, Having spending your life, I can think of no better person, no better way. I I told some of my family is so important to me, and my son has offered and said, "Hey, Dad, come and live in Virginia. Mm -hmm. You can live free, you know, with with my family, and 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 of course take my wife and child as well. You know, we can all live there. You (laughs) can't
0: bachelor it up in Virginia.
1: No, you can't, not for long. (laughs) But you know, and." And I think about that. and Of course, I have other kids. I have a child in Texas, and I have yep. uh, two in Zachary. And and how do you choose, you know, between your kids where to live? But you know, the other factor there is that if I relocated, the people that I've enjoyed faith with for, and I know the church is bigger than a location, but I've enjoyed faith, living faith. And having people input into my lives, and maybe me having some input into their lives for over 30 years, years—that's mm-hmm. that would be an incredibly hard thing to leave. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, seeing my life change, knowing that the people, uh, some that are no longer here, some that are have uh, gone on uh, to the presence of the in, you know, gone on to heaven, and Uh, are no longer here, but think about the input that they've had in my life is just incredible. Mm -hmm. So positive side, community, I think, that I've enjoyed the community of faith and church. Uh, Negative, sometimes trying to make things a little bit too process-oriented. Negative in school system, a lot of pressure for being responsible for Mm -hmm. kids' lives. Positive side, what an opportunity.
0: Um, I actually wrote down uh, a quick note: the word community, because you said it earlier. Um, how do you think? Well, I was gonna ask you how important is community, but no. you just eloquently answered that that question. Community is huge; it's huge. What uh, I am curious though, like, how did you? Because you've been in leadership positions, uh, and like you said, it's not you know don't try not to segment our lives. Yeah, um, but leadership positions in different capacities, but in a school and in a church, uh, community is very important. So how, how would you maybe like a quick riff on tips of how to kind of grow and foster a community in under, you know, if you're in a position of leadership or maybe if you're just part of a community, how do you kind of grow that?
1: Uh, I think you uh, <coughs> delve into people's lives is uh, our dive in. Dive in, dive in uh as much as you know of course you're allowed you know you don't um uh, and that's professionally too i mean we had a great community a- at school and mm-hmm. and what does that come from that comes from working shoulder to shoulder on 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 task but it also comes from seeing someone uh struggle with uh cancer and and, and being there for them professionally and, or maybe dealing with a sick parent, uh, an aging parent, things like that. So I think you look for ways. I think the only way that you're going to build community is to actually be involved in people's lives. If it's just a uh, job, then you're not going to have much of a community. You may have a great work environment, but you don't necessarily have a community. Mm. But If you're really involved in people's lives, you know, if you're involved in knowing that, hey, they're struggling with this or, my goodness, a celebrated success, you know, that uh, they've experienced personally with their family or something like that. And I think it's the same way at uh, at church. I think it's uh, maybe the little things that you don't think is matter, but it's being involved uh, in the lives uh, of people and that's one of the great things and i'll add this to the end you know the great thing that i've loved about retirement is the fact that i've got time to listen like mm. when you ask me how much time do you have well you know we can go as long as you want to go <laughs> yeah. and i think before i would hear people and kind of glance down at my watch and you'd have to move on to the next thing and so that's been something i think that's helped me at least i don't have the opportunity to build community in this school now But I still have opportunity to be a part of a community, a church, and Mm -hmm. other
0: places. Um, Like I said, I was totally serious. I could probably ask you a billion questions, um, but just a couple more, and then I'll let you go. Um, Have you written any books? (laughs) Because if not— I think you should.
1: I, I have uh, written part of a book. Okay. And I left it, I set it aside. You know, I'm not always <laughs> a strong finisher. And one of the things that I started you writing- You did retire
0: early, that's right. <laughs> I did,
1: and uh, now I'll play pickleball instead right. of doing the writing. I, I wrote and I gave it to my parents before they passed away, at least a- uh, a couple of chapters. I was going to write something about what my parents did right, because you hear a lot about mm. parents that messed up your lives. You know, you hear that all the time on well, stuff. Well, you know, I have to have parents this and that. And there were certain things that my parents did, and I'm not saying they're politically correct now, and I'll give you some examples. That like,
0: means they're probably really good.
1: Well, one of the things that I did, there were in my family growing up, there were words that you didn't use that they were too strong. Mm. You didn't say hate. You know, I mean, we would get in a ton of trouble if we said hate or kill or something like that, even as kids, because there were words you just didn't put out there. They're too strong. And now I look at. I don't really participate a great deal on social media. I needed to know about the HOA stuff, and I have four <laughs> friends on, on on one of the they social media. Well, they don't force you to, but if you want to know what's going on in the neighborhood, you yeah, might better get basement. it. Yeah, yeah, you join it, and so I have four friends. Nice, you know, or maybe five. That's but, not a
0: very big community that you have. There. No, it's not, <laughs>
1: and it, some of it comes from fear because I've seen so many abuses on social media, yeah. which could be a really uh, a big topic there. But um, so I have. Um, Actually, someone else you know we wrote a children's book together uh, Larry and I okay uh, back I, he did the illustrations know, and uh, uh, we have that and I find out, I found out getting published is very hard you yeah. couldn't get a you have to have an agent and all this kind of stuff so I've had uh, ideas that I've wanted to write about to answer your question and I have a partially written book about what my parents did write but like I said the example of that of that, um, that their words that was one of my topics that they're there are words that you know don't need to be said. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing is kids need to be kids. There are things that they don't need to know. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned before, my dad never spoke about his. I knew he was in the military. I didn't know he was in the invasion of Normandy until I was almost an adult. Mm-hmm. Because why? I didn't need to know about that. That uh, that's not that I needed to know about. That was a um, very difficult and painful time uh, in the in the world. And I think sometimes parents um, tell their kids too much. They tell them their financial woes and they tell them their relationship woes and kids need to be kids. Mm. So I think there are things and that was another one of my chapters is is that, um, you know, there are things that kids don't need to know. Mm. You know, it's on a need to know basis and kids don't need to know.
0: Yep you know well can you uh can you finish that book for me so i can i just I have a kid now so
1: well i can finish i'll say i'll, I'll try it won't be very <laughs> uh uh good probably but uh i'm
0: sure it would be awesome and I would you know it's it.
1: just things like i said my parents weren't superheroes you know my they had their struggles themselves but my goodness after 75 years of living together they learned a few things absolutely yeah and uh just some of the basic things like uh how we should treat people and things like that. So as that was the start of my book is what my parents did right. And it was mainly written because I hear or started because I heard so many people talk about, um, what they've, how their parents and, and I'm not taking away that some people have had some terrible childhoods. Right. I mean, that is without a doubt. I mean, there's someone out there that could write about what my parents did wrong and how my parents made me miserable. But I also think that, yeah, there's that voice, but sometimes there's not the voice out there saying, well, here's what my parents did right. Not perfectly. And the other thing was the one thing I mentioned, my dad's thing was his thing about can't never could do anything. That was his his saying to me, Mm -hmm. you know, when I say I can't. Well, can't never could do anything. And and I think that was something of just trying to uh, show that uh, you're able. You're able to learn things. Maybe do it differently than somebody else does, or you may learn something entirely different. But uh, so, yes, maybe I will. Uh, when they finish that, particularly great. when uh, I'm done with pickleball.
0: Yeah. How much do you play pickleball? <laughs> about at least three times a week, three usually. T- and today and you said pl- you played for what, four hours? I, I played from like <laughs> eight
1: o'clock till after 12, you know. And, 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 and like I said, it's been a few times sitting here talking to you. My legs kind of tightened up some. <laughs> These probably again, aren't
0: the best chairs either for uh, sore uh, legs. Your legs are dead. You edge. know,
1: but what the neat thing is about pickleball is. is uh, is community and relationship hey, to, yeah, yeah. you know, go back to that. I, uh, have an opportunity. I hope that I will able to, to go to someone's visitation passing away that I played pickleball with really two weeks ago, three oh, weeks wow. ago, mm. you know, um, and, you know, just, you know, not compartmentalizing our lives. So it's just another area that hopefully, um, lives can
0: blend. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is, to close this sucker out, uh, what's what's your future plans? What's next for you? You mentioned oh. that you're taking a trip to Maine, which sounds I, awesome.
1: I am. Uh, well, you know, you always say this is what you plan to do. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, just as, uh talk about James, our life is but a vapor. It appears for a short time and it vanishes away. I could vanish away before the Maine trip. But we have a reservation in Maine. Um, I think the next thing is, like I said, it's kind of odd. That, cause I'm not just a, a a retired person. And this is going to sound really strange. I have a 16-year-old. I have mm-hmm. a junior in high school. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, you know, what I hope to be doing, what's next for me is to still learn. You know, uh, Um, it's, you know, to, to learn, to, uh, hopefully, um, learn from not just mistakes, but learn from successes of other people. Uh, I would like to do some writing that's always been on my heart, but like I said, it's something that seems to be really hard to break into Mm. and do because as I mentioned, the one that helped me on the children's book is, got a fantastic children's book himself mm-hmm. that just haven't been able to get published, but it's really wonderful mm-hmm. story. So I hope to do some of that, but I hope to just keep learning, to keep improving. You know, um, I'm reading now more um, with um, different things, like information. I'm reading a um, book right now called Rewire Your Heart that um, talks about us dealing with sin in our lives and how we how we try to you know how we deal with that so um, man what's next for me is to hopefully have the opportunity to learn hopefully have the opportunity uh, to uh, enjoy and hopefully impart to my family you know I've got a great family great wife 40 years I tell you this already 40 40 years years this year congrats um, and uh, it's like my best friend Mm -hmm. yeah so we have those opportunities. So what's next? I don't know. And people I'm not bored. You know, uh, like I said, not bored yet. I don't always feel productive. And will I ever will I go back to work at some point? I don't think that I'll go back in what I've done before. But if I had the opportunity to do different to to learn something, then, you know, I might would do that. That's you cool. Know. But um Right now, I'm at a point where I don't have to do that mm-hmm. as long as I keep a simple life, <laughs> drive old vehicles, <laughs> right. things like that. I don't have don't to go do crazy. that. Don't go crazy. Probably
0: not buy another Challenger.
1: No, don't buy another <laughs> Challenger, things like that. Yeah. Uh, I've got the opportunity to kind of make the decision, at least right now. It may not be true a year from now or five years from now if the market goes crazy or whatever. But uh, right now, I've got the opportunity to kind of to listen to be still kind of see what i'm supposed to do and right now there's not a big agenda for for the next That's cool. for the next step do i plan to play uh plan no plan to go to the hospital tomorrow oh, see yeah. a couple people I having surgery people. yep you know get my income tax stuff done <sighs> taxes might play pickleball maybe We'll just nice. have to see if it can I'm fit I'm sure it in. you'll squeeze it in. I don't know. It's hard.
0: Do you have a motorcycle right now?
1: I don't have a motorcycle currently. That's Are you going another? My, I have been looking on the internet. Uh, found one in North Carolina. I just couldn't bring myself to pull the trigger <laughs> on it. Because like I said, I, I uh, am very restricted on what I can ride. Right. And uh, I have a brother-in-law that rides, and he says there's two kind of motorcycle riders. You know
0: right. that. You ones know? that have crashed and ones that haven't crashed right.
1: yet. Well, yes. <laughs> ones that have fallen and ones that will fall. There you go. That's, you know, that's ones that haven't fallen
0: happen. yet, ones that will fall. Yeah, yeah,
1: And you've kind of had a little fall yourself, yeah, I think. Yeah, <laughs> And I did too, but I was fortunate that it was just in the yard and one in my house where I used to keep my motorcycle in the house, and that uh, wasn't okay. a good idea either. Yeah. So... um yeah, I would like to, but man, I'm getting I'm getting older. Mm. I'm, I hate to say this. I actually looked at some scooters too, because I thought, well, I had to lift my leg up as high to put it over.
0: But I don't know. <laughs> they about have the that. little cutaway. You just slide, have the cutaway. So I thought in. maybe yeah. the
1: next step is a scooter.
0: <laughs> yeah. But uh, probably that would be, uh, that'd probably probably be probably be pretty nifty for Americana, huh? Yeah, Zip probably around. pretty nifty.
1: But yeah. to tell you the truth, um, like I said, still like to maybe get another old car. It might be a little safer, something yeah. like that. I missed a VW a little bit, but it was kind of hard to tinker. with. A yeah. Lot, you know.
0: what's your favorite muscle car do you have a oh wow car?
1: wow i would say i have had one uh i'm a i'm a mustang person mustang. you know particularly nice. vintage old okay um uh, mustang your, you daughter, drove mustang. Um, your mustang. Dr- daughter drove a mustang she did your other
0: daughter drove a Camaro.
1: she did like, like a bumblebee like battle yeah yes in-house battle she she, she did and uh Gosh, it makes me sound, I guess, so, so superficial to talk about cars. But because um, <laughs> now if you first. saw what I drive now. Your truck's awesome, though. I have a nice, I have a diesel, but look, I have a 2002 model truck. Diesel. A diesel, yeah. 2002 model. Um, but what I drive mainly is a 1995 Suzuki Sidekick. Nice. And I just like it. Really? So I do that. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind getting another old Volkswagen or, like I said, Mustang. And now that I have
0: a garage, I have to make sure it fits in the garage. Right. You know. Yeah. Like is that. it you got you got a uh, is it two car garage or one? two car garage? Okay. But
1: the truck doesn't fit. <coughs> right. Yeah. The Trucks, the truck's massive stays, and yeah. garages
0: built nowadays are lots. more. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, maybe maybe
1: uh, you know vintage car. But you know what I'm learning about things that were important to me. How old are you now?
0: Thirty. 30, 31, wow, 31.
1: Too. 31. Uh, the things that were important to me uh, in my 20 to 30 range probably aren't as important to me. At mm-hmm. 50-something, like my daughter's embarrassed by the Suzuki. If she has to drive it to school, <laughs> she gets there before anyone arrives and leaves, <laughs> leaves there after everybody <laughs> yeah. is gone. Yeah. You know, but it, I, I like it, you know.
0: Cool. So. Um, really quick, tell me about the Jeep trip. With Jacob. Oh, most son. fantastic drip.
1: Yeah. You know, you'll have to do some things like that. I know you, you don't have a son, you have a daughter, but you could do yep. a daddy-daughter kind of totally deal. Totally would, yep. Oh, my goodness. We went to... Um, Uh, the Grand Canyon, uh, Colorado, um, Telluride is where we did Jeep trails. Nice. Um, Then our second, so we did that. That was great. We drove all the way from here in a a Jeep, not a new Jeep. So it was a slow Jeep, (laughs) but um, to do mountain passes that he bought just for the trip. And, you know, I love all my kids. I probably have a little special bond just because he's my only son. Right, yeah. So he bought the Jeep for him and I to do a trip. And we did white rata rafting and we did all that, but we, 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 Slept in a tent and, you know, packed everything, cooked on a campfire with the Jeep. And it was just one of the most fun vehicles yeah. we had. And then our second trip, we'd gotten rid of the Jeep, but we went to Moab and we rented a, mm. a Jeep from a place called Twisted Jeeps. Cool. And that was like even more fun. Really? Things could like climb up a wall. Did y'all climb some huge rocks? And we same? climbed some huge Did top. y'all flip just, it? You no, know, we did not flip okay. it because it was on our credit card, you know. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> of course. You don't want to get crazy. You know, There's yeah. processes that have to do <laughs> But, uh, man, it was a Rubicon, and they had uh, modified it some. It had the lockers and everything. And, uh, man, that thing would just, like, climb a wall. And they just turned us loose in it, you know. Wow. Just let you
0: have the let keys. Let us have
1: the key. Turned us loose. Told us a couple things that we might not be good to try. Yeah. And, uh, man, we just had a time with that. And we went to uh, – one of our big things we were going to do on the last one was go to uh, – we went to Zion National Park mm. where we were going to do Angel's Landing uh, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that trail so said like in top 10 deadly trails in America oh, wow. and uh, I made it three quarters of the way, and then I stopped on what I referred to as loser's ledge okay. and uh, <laughs> Jacob and my son did the rest but you know I tell you I have a little bit of a disability and, and walking on a ledge where there's 1200 feet on cow, each side cow. and you're holding on to a chain is probably not wisdom <laughs> you know for me I tripped down we the hall of school, you know, mm-hmm. but um, great, great, great. I, you know, I, that's something I, I've met, done that with my girls. And if they by chance become 16 and 17 to live into your program, they'll probably say, well, you don't take any trips with us. <laughs> but um, we have we have had some incredible adventures and in really trying to figure out the next one. So if you mm-hmm. have an idea, we are gonna be in Maine together. He'll be up there. In oh, Maine. Okay, cool. We're gonna go on a lobster boat. That's one of our That'll goals. Be, cool. be a lobster boat. Yeah. But we're looking for another, uh, another man cool trip that, yeah. that a a good strong young man and a old crippled dad can go on yeah. together. So. Yeah.
0: We me and my dad always talked about well I definitely wanna go on a few hunting trips with my dad for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's great. South, like I went to South Africa. I want him to go with me to hunt there and I think it'd be really cool to do a bow hunting trip, and you know, elk elk hunting with a yes. bow, like that, like they do the, you know, rough it for a few for right, a few days right. and try to hunt one down. That would be, we'd have to get in shape to do that, of course, but that yes. would be fun. We're, we're uh, I'm definitely not in shape, but but we also talked about doing a uh, a long road trip, uh, hitting all of the major league baseball stadiums in one season, and watching a game y'all should do that yeah so um i think you could do it in like probably a month and a half so whenever we have enough time you're gonna have to see if you can get yard leave for that long you know that'd be a long time yeah i actually mentioned it because i've talked about it before with somebody else on this and then got home after uh and mentioned it to tori about doing she's is she one of the 15 people or she's one of the 15 okay i think she's number 12 but number 12 uh no she's number one in my heart yeah. And in good, my life. Ooh,
1: good, good move.
0: Good <laughs> uh, move. So I got home and told her, and she was like, oh, so you're going to leave me for a month and a half to go on a trip with your dad? Yeah. yeah. That's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah.
1: There's certain times you got to operate wisdom in, right. your, in your marriage. Like Jacob, my son, has uh, his wife, Holly, and they have four daughters. Mm-hmm. You know, no boys, four daughters. And uh, she allows him to take the man trip with me because, you know... Um, he needs some man time. Right. There's a lot of
0: women <laughs> that's a lot in of women. his life. Yeah. And,
1: but he'll make some comments that aren't exactly what he said. Well, you have uh, uh, mother-daughter day every day, and that doesn't go over as well, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. kind of deal. But um, we, we'd like to go maybe back to the Grand Canyon and then hike all the way to the bottom. Oh, okay. And that's stay cool. the night. Wow. Yeah. And then hike back up. You that's know. Cool. So, but we haven't really planned to. We want to go to Glacier, but that's kind of far for us to make it, unless we just fly one national park yes where is that at? oh gosh north way up north. <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> is it in alaska no oh, okay
1: but uh the other thing is just go somewhere to see the northern lights mm, that's yeah, kind of on really our, cool. our if you have a, such thing as a bucket list that's kind of the thing that we want to do that's cool is go see the northern lights very cool
0: but, hope y'all do soon
1: i hope so too chase and now what you've discovered through this podcast is in chase doesn't know is that now you know that dewey doesn't really know yeah,
0: that's so not very true. much i've th- i've had the thought multiple times talking to you that i'm going to enjoy going back and listening to this a number of times so yeah. hopefully a lot more than 15 people listen to it because they'll they will no doubt enjoy
1: ah uh, i hope so
0: <laughs> cool well thank you so much absolutely for chatting. I enjoyed thank it. you Thanks everybody for listening to this episode and I would say that I hope you enjoyed it but I know for a fact that you did enjoy that so thanks for listening and thanks again to Dewey for driving out here and hanging out with me in the studio for a while and talking about life really enjoyed it and thanks to our sponsor for this episode GIF peanut butter America's favorite peanut butter brand so creamy so delicious so nutritious so good GIF peanut butter and you can get 75% off of your order of $2,000 or more at gifpeanutbutter.com slash chase doesn't know thanks again see you on the next episode